Hello and welcome to The Ravens, a One Tree Hill movies and TV show podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Dom. And tonight's movie for debate is the Home Alone movie series in its entirety, one through six. So hello and welcome to the Ravens One Tree Hill movie and TV show podcast where it's always 10.30 at night so it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is the Home Alone movie series all the way from one through to six. Dom, we are here, we're back doing movies. How you doing my man? Yeah, really good. Really excited to be talking about uh, some films for a change, something slightly different. Um, back to the what feels like the old school <laughs> for us and the, where it all began, which is great. Um, I'm really looking forward to kind of unpacking this series of films, these Home Alone films as well, which um, which I recently found out there were six, which you told me. And I very, very recently watched them all. So, yeah. How, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm excited to be doing this as well because we have been putting out our back catalogue of movie podcast episodes and a lot of people have been hearing those for the first time and their podcast episodes that we did a year, almost two years ago, coming up to starting to be like two years ago. And even though that doesn't feel like a long period of time, Within our podcast journey and lifespan, I'd like to feel like we have evolved several times through that in terms of the quality of what we're doing, and but also our comfortability of podcasting in general. So I'm excited for us to be doing, you know, an up-to-date episode and starting this sort of new chapter of covering movies and TV shows, as well as One Tree Hill on our Ravens channel. So to give a bit of background about this, I also I knew that there were other Home Alone movies, but I didn't I also didn't know that there were six. I thought maybe there were I knew there was a third one and I thought maybe there was another one, maybe. And then the new one that has just come out on Disney Plus about three, four weeks ago. And so I watched that one and then that inspired me to watch the other ones and then as i was watching them i messaged you dom and said we should just be covering all of these on the podcast and you said you'd only seen the first two as well right yeah only seen the first two again i knew there was a third one and sort of toyed with the idea in my head that i might have seen it and then having now seen it i know i had never seen it before <laughs> and then just had no idea that it extended beyond like a third film in the in the home alone kind of saga so that was news to me it means that i've now signed up to disney plus um <laughs> so i now have all the the delights of of disney plus now i noticed diehards on there that's that's interesting to me on the home i literally just said that to f so firstly <laughs> disney plus is so good i can't lie I, i'm not i don't i'm not into the marvel films I'm not into Star Wars like I am like the the OG Star Wars as well as like we grew up in pod race time you know <laughs> <laughs> terrible movies but we grew up in that period you know 
Uh, and you know the new ones are cool, but it's like it's not like my I'm not it's not my diehard thing. But um, diehard pun. There's all these. Um, there's so much good stuff on there, and I love how they just put their whole catalog on there, everything. And because they own everything, it's just all there. Um, and I, I, it's my favorite streaming service now of all of them. It's got such great variety. Lost is on there. Prison Breaks on there. It's all on there, Dom. And Die Hard's on there. That also got me. But I think that's. Is it because it's um, Fox? Fox. Yeah, I was. That's what I was gonna say. Because uh, Disney bought out Fox and now own like all of it. They they can then put that on their streaming service. That's The Walking Dead's on Disney Plus as well because that yeah. was a Fox TV show, and then it became FX, which I think is just a branch of Fox anyway. So yeah, D- Disney just own the lot. They just keep buying it. Like fair play to them, you know that it's made them such a strong kind of powerhouse in that in that world. You know, I I have a Netflix account as well. I've watched some of the new stuff on there that's come out recently, and you get through that quite quickly. And then the rest of it, it, there's not a massive amount of new stuff on there, like kind of all the time. And when you're watching through old stuff, you're just like, okay, I've seen this now. And uh, it's a bit, sometimes it gets a bit dull. Like every now and every now and then they kind of like quarterly refresh Netflix. And it's like, oh, this is, this is a bit more exciting. Or this has come back on there or this is new. Great. I'll give that a go. And the Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds film that's on there with The Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember her name. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't we never remember their names. Anyway, um, is is actually quite a funny film and really entertaining, um, and is, is worth a watch if you if you've got time. But yeah, Disney Plus has just opened up a whole new gateway of like nostalgia plus new stuff plus mm. finding out there's three more Home Alone films that I never knew existed. <laughs> so. Yeah, for real. I, I read somewhere that by 2025. It will be the biggest streaming platform over Netflix. They they reckon, which makes sense because I mean, I, though I'm not into the Marvel films, and again, I don't just I don't. It's not that I hate them. I think we've had this conversation. I never know whether it's recorded or not anymore. But we had a conversation about how these CGI films. It's not impressive, like as in to to me anyway. Like yes, it is impressive that they've done all of these things, but. If it was all practical effects and like how Jurassic Park was and like a, a slight mixture, then yes. But it just feels like you're watching a computer game in in some regards. It's just not my thing. But Dope Sick on Disney, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's Michael Keaton. Uh, it's really good. It's about the Oxycontin pandemic in in the US. Have you seen some of it? I haven't seen it, but I've seen it advertised. I've seen the adverts for it on on TV when they're doing like the Disney Plus adverts. But the the dope sick uh, conversation has been recorded and is on a podcast. Oh. But the the CGI conversation ha- wasn't recorded and isn't on a podcast. So Ruth luckily, I, rem- I, I remember these things. We've talked about this already. So. <laughs> Who knows? I just walk around talking to myself these days in the streets. Who knows? So many, so many voice notes. <laughs> but yeah, I, we we both had a chat about the 
the CGI aspect and it is exactly the same as watching like a computer game rather than because we were talking about the latest Star Wars film That's and there's it. so much of it that is just kind of CGI and it's, it feels like there could have been more practical effects in it exactly like Jurassic Park where you've got like the model or the, the figure that is moving and um, you know I guess incredibly expensive but you've got the blend of CGI as well which you know is it's kind of like a, a decent combo but it seems to be lacking in, in a lot of films at the moment for sure well i'm glad you're on the disney plus train amazing <laughs> uh but so just to loosely talk about how we're going to structure this episode of the podcast because we're hitting six movies rather than you know just hitting one we're going to talk about each of them individually and just sort of run through a general synopsis of, of what happens and we're going to do it in a way so that we're, we're kind of imagining that people listening have seen the first two and probably haven't seen the other four. So when we talk about the other four, we're going to talk about it in a way that if you haven't seen them, then you will just get the gist of what's going on and you can still listen and hopefully still enjoy it, you know. And then if you have seen it, then, you know, you, you'll know what's up because you've seen it. Um, so let, let's start from from the beginning. So, Dom, what is your, like, recollection and memories as a kid with the first Home Alone movie? Like, do you remember when you first saw it and, you know, your associated memories and feelings? Funny enough, I I don't remember my first viewing of it, but I remember this is, of course, the film that is on at every Christmas and it's kind of thrown on on a Sunday evening before Christmas, you know, comes up or it's even on a Christmas day. Um, And there's always a film I will watch and enjoy you know from a very young age to 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 now and um watching it recently even proved that and I remembered a lot of it you, you know there's there's lines in there that I hadn't remembered and there's certain pranks or tricks or you know elements of like it battling the the robbers that I'd forgotten about but the the general kind of feel and overallness of the film I, I remembered and yeah it's just it's a great it's a great great film it's great to get back into it I think what a great suggestion to to watch these films because it it really was a a good nostalgia moment and it, it is a really silly but feel-good kind of film as well so yeah I had a lot of fun watching it uh, and what about you what's what's your does the connection go way back because I, I know it's on your it's on your shelf there, isn't it? You've got your shelf of Blu-rays, which is behind you. And it's kind of, that's kind of your collection of like special movies for the most part of these are the ones that stick out to you, you know. Then they're not all necessarily like fantastic films, but they're ones that mean something to you. And I know Home Alone is on that shelf, so. Hardly any of them there? are technically fantastic films. <laughs> <laughs> but Home Alone is. Uh, well, do you know what's funny is, again, I, I also can't remember the first time that I watched it, but I watched it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot as a kid. And like the, these, the, like the shelves in here of Blu-rays, and I'm sure that you can remember this, we used to have um, like a bookcase in like a hallway in my like child house. My, I'm not speaking properly. My childhood house, you know, at my family house, but no one people live there now but not my parents <laughs> does that make you're sense child, you're a childhood home <laughs> we'll do that's it where you where you all used to live 
<laughs> there we go. So there was a bookcase, but there were no books in there. There were just VHS cassettes, right? Do you remember? Because we used to sit in front of it and we'd try and select, like when you would come and sleep over and whatever, and we'd try and select what we were going to watch. I think you said on like an old podcast, we'd, we'd usually get it down to two and then it would be the old put them behind the back, right? So the home alone was definitely one that was in that in that rotation but i never really associated it as a christmas film which is insane because it's the most christmas film ever but i would be watching this year round like i'd watch this in the summer i'd be watching it whenever it was like a classic to me but i always as a kid preferred the second one and obviously we're going to talk about that is that what you thought as well uh, i was actually watching it this time around that I was like, the, I really like the second one. Okay, well, this time, right, because <laughs> na- I like I love the second one as well, but as a kid, I preferred the second one, but as an adult now, I prefer the first one. Oh. Like, I love the second one as well, but I think the first one is just a really well-made movie, like, as, as well as some of the continuity of the, the jokes that go through... And we'll talk about all of those bits, but you know, like the every every person that pulls up to the house knocks over the statue. Mm. You know, all them little things that just continue through the film. Um, and so it's Christopher Columbus that that directed it, uh, but it was John Hughes that wrote it. Um, we'll get to those in a, that in a minute. But yes, like you, I loved the you know all of the hijinks of all of the stuff at the end, and I loved. McCauley Culkin like he as with pretty much everybody our age or in our generation he was what was cool we all wanted to be like him we all wanted to be be able to put together these like pranks and have these one-liners I mean is that how you felt about McCauley Culkin yeah he was like for for our generation he was like the ultimate child star wasn't he Mm. he was in like if he was in a film, you knew it was gonna be it was gonna be good. You know, you you thought this is a film that I want to go and see because this kid is it has made some great films already. And like, I, I mean, I reflect on Richie Rich. Richie Rich isn't a good film, but I always had that perception in my head when I was a lot younger that he was just Richie Rich. That was the life he always lived. You know, and and he kind of, Macaulay Culkin kind of had this fantastical life where he had this crazy house and like a kid a pole and and that that sort of thing and it was just, he it was just fantastic and he was so good he was just so good at, at, at the the comedy and watching it back now just watching this kid that's what seven eight yeah, uh, ten like however old he i think he's meant to be ten in like the second film or, or whatever how yeah. good he is and just just really recognizing that as a child actor and as a child star he was it was quality and I, i'm not sure we necessarily get that much these days maybe because we're not watching those films anymore but even as you do watch films as you go along you see the the kids in them and you think you're not Macaulay Culkin I (laughs) (laughs) he's he's definitely definitely a benchmark isn't he of of child star he's basically the Daniel Day-Lewis of children actors (laughs) or child actors (laughs) absolutely yeah definitely well, and we can talk about that. I mean, is an odd sentence to say, but we can compare the kids <laughs> as we go through. Well, that, I mean, 
we kind of yeah i think that's that's like necessary i mean the first to second film it's kind of pretty easy sailing and then when we when we go on beyond that it's good to mention the the main protagonist in each one because you know there's there's a lot of differences some similarities in in some cases but for the most part there's there's a lot of differences in in how they kind of perform and like conduct themselves for sure Uh, i mean if we talk about some of the rest of the cast in the first home alone our antagonists uh harry and marv i mean daniel stern and uh joe pesci I mean, because because of these films, they they were just heroes to me. I mean, Joe Pesci, I also loved him in My Cousin Vinny. That's also on my shelf. Goodfellas, that's also on the shelf. Um, you know, and all, and all the other things. And then Daniel Stern was is also in things on my shelf. Celtic Pride. Uh, I think that's all actually that he's in on. But I like it. I like other movies he's been in, like very bad things. Have you seen that with Christian Slater? I don't think so. No, it's super dark. Like it's a dark. Com- <laughs> it's it's a dark comedy. Yeah. So uh, and then also the parents. We got Catherine O'Hara, who she's a great actress, and she's in um, Shit's Creek. Have you seen that? No. It's popular. Again, seen it advertised. It's on Netflix as well. I could give it a watch. Yeah, there you go. Uh, (laughs) And and then the dad, who is John... uh, He is John... He is John... John Candy is in this, but that's not who I'm thinking of. John Hurd. Um, He's a great actor. Yeah, John John Candy... uh, he was his friends with um john hughes it's a it's a great cast i mean what what do you do you have good feelings about the cast positive associations as well yeah definitely and like the the joe pesci connection like joe pesci is is great in kind of everything he's in and it kind of started in this film like my kind of admiration of him as a as as quite a character actor as well he's like good fellas he's like if you were to take Harry out of this and his character in Goodfellas, they're, they're completely different, you know, but but played by the same person. And as much as we don't like to mention them anymore because we don't like to give a certain person any airtime, watching Joe Pesci and Lethal Weapon, it, it kind of makes that those films have that sort of slightly different edge in the scenes that he's in. And he's incredibly funny, very silly. He does silly really well for someone who is in Goodfellas. And... It, and um, you you know can play these darker kind of mobster characters and and seems really sort of sort of stern just in life in general um to be able to have someone like that who can do silly and slapstick incredibly well is is really really entertaining as well and just such a good kind of all-round character actor like i said and and yeah he's someone that really stands out for me uh, in particular and and daniel stern is the association I have with him is from this film as well and then from watching Celtic Pride with you when we were younger uh, and then when we covered it on the podcast again you know uh, beyond that it's only at, like if I was to see him in something else I go oh it's yeah uh, Stan Rosan from Home Alone that's you know that's the association I have with him but yeah um, the mum and dad again they're, they're actors that I think I associate with this film uh, and the second one um, and John Candy is just just mega isn't he you know as when we did our cool runnings podcast with Rudy lewis and he was talking about john candy being 
just like the nicest person in the world, you know, and that's it's it is really nice to go back and watch a film with John Candy in it, knowing that he was like, like that kind of guy, you know, and that's it makes it really, really kind of um just just a nice feeling watching it, watching the scenes that he's in. For sure. One one of my favourite movies also on the shelf. Uh, John Candy, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. We have to cover that at some point. You love that one as well? Oh, it's a ridiculously silly film, but it's so good. So the, it's Steve the, Martin as well, isn't it? It's this, yeah, it's and it's the Steve Martin the the uh, speech when he's just like, take that fucking smile off of that fucking face. <laughs> it's so good. we got to cover it. But yes, amazing cast. Let's go into it a little bit here. So the, what always comes up in sort of pop culture and Instagram and all these things is the size of the McAllister's house. Did you know that right now they're doing like a, a have you seen it, like a competition? So you can Airbnb it for a night with the actor that plays Buzz, like hosting you within that house. How amazing is that? That that would be nuts, wouldn't it? I saw that on Instagram today and i thought it was just clever kind of like your phone and everything is you're being listened to constantly and um they they kind of figured out that i'd watched home alone and may have you know checked it out on disney plus or or whatever and it's kind of flagged up so i I thought that was uh that was really really cool and i didn't know the bit about buzz um that that he would be there uh like hosting you along which was which is also which would also be quite cool. Would he call you the names, the horrible names and stuff that he calls, like so. arse face or like pube face or whatever he calls Kevin throughout the film? I just, uh... <laughs> Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I do have one question about the house in that there are a lot of people in, in, in that house so staying many. there that, that, that night or whatever before they get the plane the next day to, to go on their holiday. But why should there be a need for anyone to share a bed? Because it's like a, it's literally a mansion. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't think so. I mean, I tried I, counting the windows. I thought oh, if I count the windows along the front of the house, you can almost double that at the back, right? So it would kind su- of work. Such a dumb thing to do. Isn't it? <laughs> You're a counter. Yeah, go on. With your theories. So there were like 16 windows on the front of the house, I think. And then when you get to the back of the house, you kind of think, okay, so if you doubled up some of the rooms and stuff, there's going to be at least 10 other rooms at the back of the house. So you've got 26 rooms in the house, close to. So let's like some of them are doubled up, like I said. So like one, two windows would equal one room, like a dining room, for example, might have two windows in it. There might be a, it might be about a bed count, right? Like there might be all these rooms, but they don't have beds in. Like a room might be an office or a home gym or whatever they had in the early nineties. But you still got twenty four rooms to go. So it's true. It's true. I, I mean, but... there's all this stuff about what does Peter McAllister do? Because even in the second one, in the second movie, obviously we'll talk about that in a minute, but. When they're running through the airport, he's wearing this uh, this sort of beige, light brown coat. And I always loved that coat from a kid. Um, like I, I have coats that are similar to it because of Peter McAllister. 
but his coat is Burberry. <laughs> like you can see on the inside of the lining, it's Burberry. And so I looked that up because I'm like, well, I want Peter McAllister's coat. How much do you reckon that coat roughly would cost? 100 quid? If only, Dom. Talking about, <laughs> for a coat, and I'm not joking, talking about three grand. Oh my God. His face is disgusting right now. <laughs> Who would pay three grand for a coat? Peter McAllister. <laughs> <laughs> You see how much, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but the amount of cash he's just carrying in the airport. But yeah, that coat is like three grand. So, I mean, and that house must be worth at least a couple million, right? I mean, I don't know about house prices in America, but I mean, here, that would be worth like five, six, seven million. Yeah, if not more, if not on the, the scale of up to 20. That's crazy. That is nuts. Like, what? Well, what's the theories on what he does for a living then? What, what's your, or what's your theory for what he does for a living? Cartel. Yeah, it's got to be drugs somehow, isn't it? Mob. It's got to be drugs. Yeah. Something. <laughs> yeah. Or he's, or... he's like money laundering for someone. He's like the middleman, mm. but he makes a, like a massive kickback on the side of it. Oh, yeah. Enough <laughs> to be getting a free grand coat here and there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I think he's meant to be. I'm guessing he's meant to be some sort of businessman or something. Uh, but what's something? He's an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> For the mob, again, it all just loops around. <laughs> I, something that I definitely could sympathize or empathize with was um, Kevin's anger about the cheese pizza. <laughs> now, I say this because. I've been vegetarian in my adult life for about 11, almost 12, something like that, years. Like, pretty much my whole adult life. But when I was a kid, I was, like, fussy with food. You know this. Egg and chip boy. That was my nickname from your grandparents because that's what I would eat in Spain. (laughs) That is true. True story. So, so constipated that week. Um, (laughs) I remember. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we all had to come out eventually didn't it <laughs> back in old blighty <laughs> welcome home yeah. hi mum it's gonna go fill up the toilet <laughs> simon i've just been into the bathroom after you and it doesn't look like you had much fiber in the last... <laughs> uh so Right, but as a kid, I was quite fussy. So, um, and but even now, as an adult, like at Christmas, right, we're going to have family over on, on Christmas Day, of course, and we're cooking. And because I'm vegetarian and F's not, there'll be all this vegetarian stuff that's my stuff, and then there'll be all the meat stuff for all the meat eaters. Now, in this occasion, I'm going to be the only vegetarian there. Um, so my vegetarian stuff will take up a proportionate amount of how many people are there. There's going to be like five people, right? Uh, so I think something like that. So 20% of what the meat will be there will be vegetarian. 80% will be meat for everybody else. But guess what? I can guarantee that a couple people will be like, oh, I'll have a bit of the vegetarian stuff as well. You know, like the the corn or the linda mccartney like the substitute meat um how about 
fuck no, because I can't have any of the beef or any of the lamb or any of the chicken or any of the other stuff that has been made and prepared and bought for you. This is for me. Put it down before I put you down outside and you will not be invited again, except you will because you are my wife's family and therefore mine. <laughs> and What's fantastic I... is that you're verbalizing this now and that commentary will be running in your head. But what will actually be coming out is, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hope yourself. <laughs> Not a problem. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm just like slowly dying inside. Oh, Simon, you've only eaten broccoli today. <laughs> it's because it was all that was left. Thanks. Thanks, Sharon. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, but it just happens all of the time. Like people are like, oh, it's nice, different, isn't it? Can I try some of that? No, you eat animals and I judge you for it internally. And that's fine. But I've chosen a different life and this is my path. Allow me to eat in peace. In fact, I'd rather if I could eat in a different room. I'm tired <laughs> of this. The conversation is not for me. <laughs> I'll be eating in my car on the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... I. But, so, but his point is he wants a cheese pizza. And there's so many pizzas there. Um, but yeah, that it, they, they've eaten it all. I mean, did it bother you? Um, I mean, yeah, you can see you can see how upsetting that would be is that you order this one thing specifically because you don't like everything else that other people have ordered or, you know, different life choices or allergies or whatever. And it's just gone. But it's the way that like Buzz kind of delivers his line of, yeah, we've all eaten it because basically we don't, nobody cares about you. No one gives a shit and you, you took too long. So we've smashed that pizza down. And yeah, you're just going to have to have the scraps of whatever else is we've got going. I mean, there's still a lot of pizza left. He's just got to kind of pick off whatever's there, but that's not nice, is it? You know, it's like, I don't have to pick off all these bits that I don't like or don't want. You know, what if it's covered in anchovies and, mm-hmm. you know, I hate that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I totally sympathize. It's, and then he acts, he acts out, doesn't he? Like his reaction is what kicks it all off and gets him sent off upstairs and, this is when we get the the row with mum but it's that kind of chaos moment that i think if buzz had just been a little bit less of a prick kind of been all right kind of would have been all right and kevin would have never missed the plane <laughs> so, like missed the missed the, the 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 car to go or you know the wake-up call it's the classic sibling rivalries though you can't you can't not do it the the bit that got me that gets me every time is the kid that gets trapped behind the chair <laughs> Do you know, that's Macaulay Culkin's brother, isn't it? Yeah, I just... Yeah, uh... I, I couldn't... When I first watched... When I watched it again recently, so I watched it like three days ago or whatever, I was like, oh my God, that's Macaulay Culkin's brother. I can't Kier- believe it. Kieran, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. It was like, obviously when I was younger, I had no idea. But I watched something with him in it recently when um, the McCorkin brothers were on... Uh, the Culkin brothers, sorry, were on uh, Saturday Night Live when they were kids. 
and Macaulay Culkin's getting like lifted up on someone's shoulders and they're like, yeah, celebrating. And Kieran is, do- is on Saturday Night Live as an adult saying, hey, look at this, look at my brother being all like happy and successful and there's me down there getting ignored. And then he goes and like yanks on someone's trouser leg and, they're, like, and he's like, lift me up, lift me up. So they lift him up as well sort of thing. It's just like, don't forget me, I can be successful too. Well, th- yeah. they all are quite successful, aren't they, the Colkins? But, uh, I mean, that is a big shadow to be cast in, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. But, he, I mean, he makes it makes it into the second one as well and has a has a horrendous reputation of being a bedwetter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good times. We all knew someone like that, the old rubber mat. <laughs> but but uh, also, we have had someone on this podcast that has been, that was in Home Alone and was cut. Do you remember Matt Doherty? He played Averman in The Mighty Ducks. And he you can still see him in the background of one of the shots in his like blue blue jumper um but yeah he, he was like one of the french cousins because they're going to france in the first one right yeah um but okay so if we just generally we know what happens he gets left home alone and it's because the kid from across the street comes over and he's wearing a similar kind of hat and he gets head counted uh the the parents in a fantastic move decide to sit in first class and put the kids back in coach uh yeah baller moves i mean good good choice do you agree i mean i think this is fine yeah i I, you know i have no qualms with it i'd have qualms with it if i was the kid but i've got absolutely no issues with it as an adult you know i'd be quite happily sit in first class and be like yeah they're fine back there because the mom has a almost a crisis of conscience doesn't she she's like i feel a bit bad that they're in coach and the dad's like fuck them I've got a £3,000 jacket on. Leave those little <laughs> pricks back there. We're going to have champagne. Get some champagne down you. Oh, I love champagne. <laughs> champagne so much. It's my favourite. Uh, yeah, I told you I gave up. I gave up uh, like spirits and hard liquor, so to speak. So um, whenever if we go somewhere, because F likes cocktails, I just my cocktail is I have a glass of champagne. Beautiful. Can't go wrong. Do you like champagne? uh yeah it's not something i would ever pick but it's kind of one of those things that we always have at christmas as well like a bottle of champagne just kind of appears hell yeah i'll end up i'll end up with a glass of it and me and my brother turn it into a let's see who can down it the quickest and it tends to be like me (laughs) and it gets you smashed (laughs) yeah i tend not to have that much of it but the general premise is he he gets left he gets left home alone, and uh, I, I like the I like the cheap. Is he he the brother-in-law or is he Kevin's brother? Who's like on the plane, you know, and he's like trying to get all the snacks and everything. You know, the other guy that's in first class. Oh, you mean the the dad's brother? Yeah, is he the dad's brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, he's kind yeah, of he's the, the he's the cheapskate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's the one that's. Um... Really horrible to Kevin. He's kind of all right with everyone else, but really, really has an issue with Kevin. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't have a brother, but if I did, I wouldn't accept him talking to my child like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if my brother... If I, if I had a kid and my brother talked to him like that, like, calls him calls him all sorts, doesn't he? And just says, this is why nobody likes you. Like, he's that sort of person, isn't he? He's, like, he's almost like um, Buzz. 
like an older version of Buzz, isn't he? Really, which is just a bit, it's just a bit strange. Very, very odd. But so Kevin gets left at home. They realise, you know, on the plane, uh, but you know, too late. And the whole point is, uh, the mum's trying to get home. Uh, the whole family uh, are sort of stranded, but you know, trying to get back. And Kevin is having to fend for himself, but this is before the days of the internet and, you know, cell phones as popularized as they are now that everybody has one. Uh, And he, yeah, he is looking after himself. He steps up. He's scared of, like, the things in the basement. Uh, But Harry and Marv are targeting houses in in that area and, uh, you know... To just to just petty theft really of of things in the house, and uh, and but he has to defend his property, and we get all of the, the score. What really makes it the John Williams score? I mean, I listen to it at this time of year. Just you know the music of it. It's so epic. The way that everything is perfectly themed. I, I like if people are interested in the trivia, I I don't know if you've seen it Don, but the movies that made us on Netflix has done a whole episode on Home Alone talking about like how they built all the sets and all the trivia. Have you seen it? Uh, I haven't seen that episode. I've I've watched a lot of the rest of it, but just not that one yet. Well, it's really good. You should definitely watch it after after this. Um but yeah, it's it's a great film. What I love about it is it's not just poised for children and this is something that they did so well in the 90s that they don't really do anymore is this is a movie that you can enjoy as an adult and uh, you can enjoy as uh, a teenager uh, as as a child everybody can enjoy it and it it treats everything with sincerity it's not like super slapstick like there are bits that are slapstick and whatever at the end and ridiculous and obviously they'd be dead if this was real life <laughs> especially in the second one when my man's throwing bricks off a two-story building oh, and hitting god. him in the face god that made me laugh so much on my watch i was thinking oh like marv is dead from the first brick and then he gets hit by another four and you're just like oh this is hilarious but it, like even back in the first one the iron hitting him in the face you know the blowtorch on Joe Pesci's head. That's Just, so good. There's so much. It's so good. It's it's quality, and you're exactly right. There's so many. Like this film is accessible to all. It's fun for kids. It's fun for kind of your your mid kind of teen mid range kind of teenage years, and then it's when you're grown up and you're an adult and you're watching it. It's still funny and entertaining, and the the comedy side of it's good. You know there's. There's a bit of adult humour in there, which is subtle, um, that kind of creeps in, that is for the grown-ups that are watching this film. And then just the outrageous kind of slapstick nonsense that happens where basically Kevin McAllister is trying to kill these two burglars and they just won't die. (laughs) It's essentially the, the synopsis of the film. Uh, yeah, uh, Daniel <laughs> Daniel Stern's scream is maybe the best scream of all time. Like I know that we love um, Lex's scream Lex. from Jurassic Park, <laughs> but his scream, like when the spider when the spider's put on his face, so good, so good, so but funny. The the trivia about that, and again, I just know this from that documentary, but. They put the scream in post-production uh, because if he was to scream, it could start all the tarantula. 
I, like I'm, I'm assuming it was <laughs> wasn't like lethal. It must have been like defanged or whatever. If that's humane, I don't know how spiders work. But they, he said, I'll give you one take to do it. Um, you know, and, and that's it. So they just they they just put it on his face, and he just made the face, and then did the scream. You know, in post production. I, I don't I think, think I could do it. To have him put it on your face. I don't think I could do it. I, I, I genuinely don't think I could. I could do it. At if least the reaction is probably genuine, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. I'd be whacking that thing onto onto Harry slash Joe Pesci straight away, <laughs> and then right. hitting it with the crowbar. <laughs> oh god, it's so good. And their pairing together is so good. Their chemistry uh, is is excellent. And you know Joe Pesci, you know he does a like the sort yeah. of mumbling he had to do that to stop himself swearing <laughs> so that was like his sort of made up sort of gibberish language of when he would if this was real would have been you know sort of swearing uh it's so good i think what they do really well is the balance of kevin and macaulay culkin's portrayal of him is that because he's a bit downtrodden uh, and sort of the runt of the litter so to speak he's not super obnoxious and I think mm. sometimes kids in these movies as the protagonist can come across as kind of just, yeah, douchey and obnoxious and think, you know, too smart for their own good and this, that and the other. We're actually, why is that funny? I was going to go hashtag Home Alone 5. <laughs> oh, God. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> well, these are good comparisons. There's no one in like shit on any act you know especially child actors um you know but it's he balances it right so that you're rooting for him and like the whole thing of you know when he has the black and white movie i'm gonna give you to the count of 10 to get you lying ugly i always get the one and two mixed up but uh when i was a kid i thought that was they were real movies and they're not there they were made for home alone but did you did you think they were real movies when you were a kid I, th- I think I thought that is a real movie. Mm-mm. Is it not? No, they filmed it for Home Alone. Like uh, Angels and Angels with Dirty Souls, I think it's called. Is that not a real film? Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure no. there's a Humphrey Bogart film that is. Go called. on, Google it. He doesn't trust me. He's googling. He's googling. Well, is it called Angels with Filthy Souls? Filthy Souls, yeah, or Day so one of them, yeah. Just put, just put in. Is is it a real movie? Oh, it's Angels with Dirty Faces. Is a real film, which is, um, yeah, which has got Humphrey Bogart in it and stuff like that. So, is the movie Angels with? Souls. What is it? Angels with. I'll just put Home Alone. Real. Angels with. <laughs> Ain't, no, yes, yeah, so it's just made up. But it says yes. um, the second one is called Angels with Even Filthier Souls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, but like you, I as a, I always thought that they were real. So like I wanted to see them. But even the way that he plays that with the pizza delivery guy and the like firecrackers and you're just rooting for him the whole time and especially Mm. because he learns things like he learns to appreciate his family he learns that actually uh 
it's harder to look after yourself than than you'd think you know and he he faces the the fear in the basement and uh it, it's it's like a great he has a great character arc and we can't necessarily say that about some of the other protagonists in some of the other films like it's not it's not done in the same vein like that's a there's a reason why these movies will be on for christmas forever you know yeah. because it's quality for everybody well absolutely and there's that you know exactly like you're saying um with the film and his kind of character arc there's also that spiritual miracle kind of element to it as well you know the 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 mom and kevin both kind of reacting at the same time to things and he wishes that they were all gone so they all do go and then he he really wishes that his mom will be back and then that's kind of when she like reappears like he, he kind of makes his peace with everything he 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 goes oh, I'm, I'm alone finally i'm it, it, like the, his line of going i'm home alone and then he like he's talking to the camera he's breaking that four four and then he goes i'm home alone and that's that's like yes i'm finally i'm on my own i can i can do whatever i want to do and he comes to that harsh realism doesn't it of oh, this isn't as easy and then i've got to protect my house and that you, you know this would be so much easier if dad was around if mom was around and you know he goes out shopping and there's all these things that he picks up on but there's still that spiritual side of of the neighbor that lives opposite or next door whatever that Mm. he's terrified of and because you know buzz and the other brother or whatever his name is has conjured up this story that he's a you know he's a murderer and he's spreading the bodies around in the in the salt that that (laughs) they're laying you know to to clear up the the ice and stuff and he then goes into the the church, you know, to kind of get a bit of kind of peace and a bit of guidance, I suppose, is kind of why he's there. And then he's joined by the old man. He ends up giving him advice. And this is why these films are so good, because they do have that kind of miracle, spiritual, kind element where the kid is going, for, even from a kid's point of view, well, you know what? You've got nothing to lose, so just try. Mm. And, that, and and he goes and does it, and you kind of see that in the, in the, in the resolution of the film. And the older guy, it, you know, ends up coming to help him, um, you know, thankfully when he's, like, snuck into someone else's house. And then you see that he's with his granddaughter again, and the, him and the son are obviously talking again. And it's just those really nice moments as well, and they're, they're kind of built in for, the, for that Christmassy miracle kind of feeling. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, perfect point. It, and they you don't get that in the other movies, which we will get to. But that is a more mature storyline. Mm-hmm. And the the fact that Kevin gives him the advice and it's actually, like you said, through the eyes of a child, showing the simplicity of the situation rather than how we all overcomplicate things as adults. Yeah, it's great. It's It's a great touch. So... Oh, and also, I have to say, it gets me every time when uh, I keep forgetting the the mum's name <laughs> in the in the movie. I know her name's Catherine O'Hara. Oh, Kate. Her name's Kate. But yeah, when when his mum comes home in the first one and in the second one, it gets me every time emotional. It, I cry. My face leaks because it's the way. It's the way that they both... It's like they don't have to put it into dialogue and they emote the emotions. So good. So good. And it always reminds me of my mum. Just... 
I, don't, I can't necessarily explain why, but it just does. It's like it's the sort of thing that she would do to get to where she needs to go if she had to help me or whatever. She would be in the back of John Candy's band's, you know, van and do whatever to get home. Do you know what I mean? That just pure determination. And John Candy, he's so great in this. Do you, have you heard the theory that Elvis is in this movie? No. There's this whole theory about Elvis being an extra and just walking past in the background in the airport and that the fact that Elvis, you know, isn't dead and this was him trying to tell us. Just Google it at some point later and you'll see. <laughs> there's a, basically a guy that looks like Elvis and he just walks through in the airport. Oh, there's There's a massive, like, conspiracy theory, like, recently about Elvis is actually... Um... Like, they found the body of a homeless man in the streets in, in the US. This is recent as well. This is, like, within the last few months. And they took took the body for autopsy. And they then did, like, some further tests. And there's now someone saying that it was the body of Elvis Presley. And that he'd faked his death in the 70s. And had then gone on to live this fame-free life and ended up living on the streets. And that this is now his... Like he's now dead, but that that was that like that was his body, and they tried to show they they showed pictures obviously not of the body but showed pictures of this guy older and you're kind of looking at it thinking there's a resemblance to Elvis but mm, you know and just this crazy conspiracy theory that he he never died and yes it's it's mad it's a scary scary world. <laughs> well, maybe before he did that, he thought you know what let me do a bit of extra work in Home Alone. <laughs> Yeah, just chuck that in in the nineties. You know, add that to the list of things he's done. I'm only one of you know the most recognisable faces in the world, but it'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be okay. Well, the thing is, he'd, he'd been by that point. I guess he'd been dead for nearly twenty years, or supposedly dead for nearly twenty years. So, yeah, maybe so. maybe people wouldn't expect it. You never know. You never know. <laughs> well, so just as just in brief, what would you give overall? Home Alone out of 10, first one. 10. I think it has to be a 10. It's a perfect movie. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, I would even happily watch it again now without any any qualms, issues, or like me again, I watched it a few days ago. Happily, happily watch that again now. And uh, what about you? Like, if you're putting a number on it? Yeah, easy money. Going 10, of course. Easy money. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Well, well, let's talk about the second one. So Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. So they managed to... Uh, there's so many, There's a lot of similarities to the first one, to the second one, except, you know, obviously the location. The old guy shoveling snow is basically Pigeon Lady in the second one, right? Yep. Scared, scared at first, but eventually learns that she's great and they have nice advice moments and, and all of that stuff. <clears throat> How he gets, how he's home alone this time or on his own is he gets on to the wrong flight. Yeah, he's he's following who he believes is his dad, like chasing him through an airport terminal to to get onto the flight and boards the wrong one. But he bumps into, um, he bumps into like um the the attendant the the attendant ticket attendant yeah at at the gate and all the boarding passes drop on the floor and he's like yeah this is definitely my flight 
So the guy that comes out the like from the gate says, "Look, if he can go on and find his parents, then yeah, he can stay on the flight." And and that kind of that kind of happens. He goes on and sees the man in the beautiful three thousand pound coat, or the other the other man. The, the other man. There's two three thousand dollar coats in that airport. Yeah, it's expensive, expensive stuff flying around that airport, Chicago airport. And um, yeah, he he believes that's his dad. He's up in first class. That's kind of what my dad does. I'll sit back and coach with with the rest of them. And he kind of looks around. He actually has a good moment of looking around and thinks, this is this is strange. I can't see or hear any of the others, but never mind. I'll just, I'm just going to crack on. I'll, I'll sit sit next to whoever. And sits next to a French guy, doesn't he, who mm-hmm. doesn't like, does speak a word of English and starts chatting to him and he just puts his headphones on. <laughs> I mean... Uh... It works for me. I mean, and, and as a kid, I loved it. I mean, obviously, you could pull holes into it and whatever, but hey, don't. Just don't. don't. Yeah, just don't. Yeah, I never, I never really had this concept of where they were in America. I'd always, when I was a kid, I just, you just kind of assume things, don't you? When you're watching a film, you like, I, I'd always just assumed that they were in New York, like even for the first one, and then. Like obviously, as an adult, you go, well, that's impossible because he gets lost in New York. But if he's from New York, it'd be slightly easier. You know, he'd have a better idea or knowledge of where the hell he was and being able to contact someone. So there's, you know, it 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 never really crossed my mind that they were in Chicago or they're at least in Illinois, you know, and not anywhere near New York um, until obviously the like the second film. So yeah, that was. That was that was interesting to revisit revisit that part of it as well and just kind of get your bearings of where these films are set. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and, and it's a great... They do a great sort of like commercial for New York. He goes all over the place. Uh, he goes up to the top of uh, the Twin Towers, mm. um, sadly, of course, uh, now. And uh, he, go, he goes all, all over the place and he has the talk boy where, you know, the he's sort of voice recorder. I had this, Dom. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I, like, it was the it was the envy of everyone, but definitely me. I was just like, oh, Simon's <laughs> got one and it's the best thing in the world. But I, I thought you were cool anyway. Anything you, <laughs> you you made it cool. So it didn't matter. It didn't matter. We've had this was. conversation before. We just, I, well, I felt the same way about you. So we were just constantly just going in a loop. But <laughs> I wish, I wish I had this now. It would definitely somehow, I'd try and mount it on the wall or something. But it frame. was so cool. <laughs> yeah, 3D frame. But you definitely couldn't do what he does with it which is to perfectly predict the phone call book the (laughs) hotel you know you know one of them little fridges with the key (laughs) uses the uh the uncle's voice to say stop watching me in the shower to in the hotel perfectly as well so good (laughs) Uh, he he checks into the plaza um we spoke about this on our last one tree hill episode so i won't go into it again but that the bit where they are the you, sort you of need, reception bit i was gonna say this you need to go into it again because there'll be some people that don't necessarily listen to the one tree hill podcast that are listening to this so i think it's important to to still say tell your your story and your connection to it okay okay well yeah sure well okay <laughs> just so summarize my, you know <laughs> yeah i'll do a shorter version but uh, my wife and I went to uh, went to New York for New Year's, uh, the end of 2019, going into 2020 before <laughs> before lockdown hit, uh, before COVID started. 
And we actually stayed in the plaza, uh, which was amazing. And we actually stayed in there because of this movie, because we both love Home Alone 2. More me, but, you know. Uh, and so good, actually. In the, the room, in the room, in the room menu for room service, you can get, like, you can order the Kevin McAllister Sunday, which is huh. all of the ice cream that he had. Um, guess how much it was? Oh, fuck off. I'd be well off today. Jesus Christ. Did you get it? No. (laughs) I wanted to. I was like, come on, we're probably going to be here once. And uh, (laughs) instead we got, we got like, just like the two scoops, which was still $25. Jesus Christ. Bit of ice cream. Come on. Get a tub of it for two quid at your local supermarket. We actually regret it. We've said it a few times. We regret not doing it. We should have just done it. But anyway, the, this the the way that the hotel is structured now is the the lobby is where they film. That's not the lobby of the hotel. That's the lobby of like a residence bit. So there are people that actually live in the plaza that like have apartments there. Uh, so you actually can't get to that part. And I'd watch like YouTube videos before we went of like filming locations, not just of Home Alone for like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all these other things that are filmed in New York of like, you know, epic stuff because, you know, I'm a nerd for all of that stuff. And uh, I'd seen this guy that was like there at the plaza for a week and he was relentless every day trying to get into the lobby and they just would not let him in. Like it's sort of like got um, not like butlers, but like people with staff that work for these people in in those uh apartments and they just probably like a concierge or something like that someone who sort of manages the like supports the residents that live there yeah exactly um but they're militant though they wouldn't let people in uh i tried one day and i was like hey can you know and he was just like no it's you know you can't come in just like nothing it's just like no 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 and then the next day there were different staff and i was like f i just gotta try and i just sort of tried to charm it and i was just like hey man how we doing my wife and i we've just come from the uk i love home alone too it's like my favorite movie i can see it right there i can see because it's like through a glass thing he's mm. like no no you can't man i can't let you in and i was like come on man come <laughs> on like it's right there. I just want to see it. I just want to touch it, please. Like, I wanted to touch, like, the desk. And he was like, okay, okay. Literally one minute. And I was like, okay. And as I got in there, there were a few guys in there. And I was just like, hey, so where are you guys from? What are you doing? Like, how, you know, just, like, trying to talk about them so that they would be talking so I have more time to be looking around. Uh, and as we got talking, they were just really nice. And they were talking to, to me and F about, like, David Beckham and all these, you know, British things and whatever. And then they were like, yeah, cool, go do what you want, take pictures. So we went and I was like tapping all of the surfaces, which is very un-COVID-like now, but like, and going all around just being like an excited kid. But then two residents came, started coming down the stairs and the guy was like, so Mr. Francis, how it like to me being like having, having to pretend that I like had an apartment there it was like <laughs> you know um we we've got your car it's round the corner uh, the valet will bring it round in a minute and they sort of turned to who, whoever was walking down and was just like you know good morning mr and mrs whoever whoever yes so blah, blah, blah. and they sort of walked out and there was this moment of we were all just like oh, 
and they were just like yeah and we were just taking more <laughs> pictures and stuff it was so good but because because they were so nice and like i got a picture with some of them as well it made the experience even that much more better you mm. know um yeah it was amazing i, I loved it uh and then also we'll talk about it a bit later i guess but you know donald trump makes a cameo yeah the reason is because at that time he owned that hotel uh, he doesn't I, now i thought so i thought the only reason he'd be there is because he's he owns it he's almost sort of semi-normal in this in that part isn't he as well yeah he's just does he give him directions or something doesn't he yeah he's, he asks whether like reception is or something like that or where the lobby is and he just points him in the right direction and has a little sort of surprised look on his face and walks off down the corridor well that that the direction he gives is actually correct because that's where uh it's literally just outside where that is there's like a restaurant in the middle and he's just coming around because we i sort of noted it's like it's that pillar that they're at not that gonna give a shit about where donald trump is but you know it's just <laughs> like but yeah that is really cool um and it is like it's like the equivalent of if we were going to stay in the Ritz in London. Like it's it's kind of cool that he chose that hotel to stay in um, and do all the credit card fraud or whatever. It's not fraud, is it? Fraud is his dad's. Yeah, I guess it's his dad's. It's fine. He can use it, and they eventually. Like I'd I'd always I'd actually forgotten that the family goes to Florida, and that's that's where they were off to in this one i'd actually forgotten that about this so that was a nice reminder and they end up in like the arse end of nowhere isn't it it's really like horrible kind of dank place and it's absolutely hammering it down with rain because it's tropical climate so if it's not raining it's boiling hot and then humid and then raining again and horrendous so um yeah and and they kind of i think it was like the parents had been there on their honeymoon they hadn't been That's back it. since so yeah that was kind of the point of why they were going for christmas and kevin was kicking up a fuss and the whole reason they got into this situation of of him being in trouble again was because of the the bust up at the 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 kind of concert that children of all oh, different yeah. ages apparently were are allowed at this <laughs> concert it was you know but um yeah crazy uh your story about the plaza is, is brilliant as well so that's why i said it, it had to be it had to be shared here because there'll be people that might not necessarily listen to our one tree hill stuff but still catch up with the movie so well, good story thank- my friend thank you i appreciate that <laughs> uh i'm just thinking about some of the other people that we should talk about within this that are new cast members that w- wasn't in the first one so rob schneider mm. <laughs> this is like very young uh, and this is sort of in the days where like he like turns up in like demolition man as well in kind <laughs> of like a similar kind of role uh, and then tim curry who puts in a fantastic performance in this i mean this is what i'll always know him from uh though obviously rocky horror picture show still gives me nightmares um <laughs> well they kill meatloaf in it dom don't they well yeah horrendous <laughs> in fact tim in fact tim curry kills me though um, <laughs> and, and then also i mean people probably know him as the original clown from it as well right um you know and tons of other things i love him in this i mean how did you find him and rob schneider and unfortunately i can't i don't know the woman's name uh but she makes a great sort of they make a great trio in the hotel 
Yeah, you've got, you've got the kind of different levels of stupidity, haven't you? You've got the uh, Tim Curry being I'm the sensible manager type that will take charge of this, but like when he goes into a room and he's confronted by a customer, he doesn't want to upset and upset or offend. He's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. But he's very much in charge of the other two. You know, don't count your tips in front of the the customers. You know that he says in front yeah. of guests that he says to. Um, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider, oh my God. I just literally had a mind blank there. It was ridiculous. And Rob Schneider just getting a whole lot of chewing gum everywhere he goes. That's pretty much it. But he, Except he was... for the one time, the one time that he was going to give him the money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh okay, don't worry. He shuts the door. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the McAllister family. God, you know, what a lovely family. But yeah, they were all good as a trio. And, and then, the, the again, the, the lady that we can't remember the name of is... Um, is really good. I've seen her in other things as well. I'm try, trying to I'm trying to place her in what else she's been in, but she's played a similar sort of role where she's sort of turned up and been a bit been quite stern about something that's going on and is like, Rrr. yeah, for sure. She's definitely yeah. recognisable. Um, but yeah, there's. I mean, some of the hijinks and stuff that happens in the hotel is brilliant. Him doing his cannonball and. Uh, <laughs> Losing his shorts is hilarious. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> it's like all, of, all of all of that stuff. When he gets into the limo and he gets his own cheese pizza, and it and as the box opens and it's like perfectly steaming oh, up. Yeah, it's like it was still just like f- really freshly out of the oven, and oh, it looked beautiful, so beautiful. It really did, and he's having his he's having his. Uh, glass of coke watching the grinch in the back of the limo goes to duncan's toy chest which just looked like the best toy shop right yeah sort of like pisses all over hamley's doesn't it (laughs) it does and then i've got i've got one here i can't you know that it was there uh and i've got one on the christmas tree as well as um in my son's room as well is uh the turtle doves uh so in the plaza there was like they had some like a gift set of the turtle doves um like in like a sort of in like a 3d frame in like a box and it was like you can buy these from this shop around the corner or whatever so i bought a couple uh and they're really good and uh it comes with a little card and it said doves of friendship you will be friends forever as long as each of you have your turtle dove and so I, I gave it, I gave one to, to him, to, uh, to my son, like when he was born, uh, and put it on his wall and I thought, this is quite nice. Hopefully he'll keep this. Um, and then the other ones on our Christmas tree. So Very there, nice. you go. there you go. <laughs> sentimental, <laughs> sentimental very, Simon. Yeah, when it, let's just flick back to like the, the, the plot line of this film, essentially. So the. The wet bandits from from the first Home Alone film now call themselves the Sticky Bandits. So and good. Get themselves into all sorts of trouble. They want to rob the toy store. They hide out, and it just so happens that Kevin is there again, and is is basically there to to do his best to foil their plans. and And they're going to rob the toy store because there's a lot of cash held there before Christmas. And we know that all that money gets donated to the children's hospital, which is like down the road. And Kevin gets pictures of them, and then basically manages to run away and chaos ensues and do you know what i was we talk about chaotic nonsense and stupidity in films and stuff and this this is great this is like 
the, the right kind of chaos for me, the right kind of stupidity because it's like planned and it's so carefully put together and then they just keep falling for it. And, and then even when they're learning, like with the paint can thing on the stairs. So in the first film, we know that paint cans come down and keep hitting them in the face. And the second film, there's a staircase and they're like, oh, you know, we're coming up to get you, kid. And they pretend to go up the stairs and a paint can paint cans come flying down and then they're like okay great let's go now and then this massive like metal beam just comes flying down at them takes them both out they go flying through the floor because it's like a derelict building or it's been like done up or whatever and it's just so good just how calculated it really is and it's so much fun it's so so much fun i really enjoy it and and the brick scene i absolutely howled with laughter with him just throwing bricks it was like he must have run out of bricks and there's just the other one just comes flying down it's just ridiculous but so so funny so good it, it's the way that harry just keeps like moving out of the way <laughs> and it's just hitting him in the face and marv is just an absolute mess absolutely <laughs> i mean the first one if he if he was lucky to have not died he would have <laughs> severe severe brain damage um but oh, yeah insane insane but the the part in all of that and all of like the the uh pranks or whatever what would we call them frets of the violence <laughs> that's happening <laughs> at the end the one that i used to like run the tape back constantly was marv being electrocuted and turning into a skeleton <laughs> it still makes me laugh now it's so ridiculous it's the it's <laughs> so good just at the at the sink isn't it it goes to the sink and that like yeah. kevin's just there at the perfect time to attach the battery and then it's like pow there's so much horrible stuff as well like when he steps on the nail yeah oh yeah that's horrible 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 feeling like just I, I feel that sort of shudder through me when he does that mm, In, yeah. yeah it's like the tar it's... on the stairs and his shoe shoe sock sock then foot and nail basically it's horrible uh, the the second one like the first one it it continues this great build-up and the and the story arcing going through and it's not it, it's not just all about these hijinks it's about these storylines that like we said in the first one is accessible to everyone and it is a rare example of a sequel that lives up to the original like there's not many cases of that that you can think of i mean off the top of my head terminator 2 mighty ducks 2 home alone 2 what else uh aliens Oh, aliens! Yeah, good call. I think that's probably about it. <laughs> Everyone says Godfather Two is like the best sequel ever made. So, yeah, I haven't yeah. watched Godfather films for an incredibly long time, like probably close to twenty years. So, and I've that, never seen them. Yeah, so it might be a, a rewatch on the cards for me and a first watch for you. That'd be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, everyone always says that about Godfather too. So I'm sure that that should be in the conversation. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 rare that that you get that. Uh, the pigeon lady stuff is uh, is great, and like we said earlier, is similar to the to the old guy with the shoveling snow. You know, I, I do love the bit at the end where she's like, "Kevin, run!" and she sets the pigeons on them again. Marv's scream is incredible. <laughs> so good 
So good. Um, any other points to say about Home Alone 2? The, the only thing I'll say about Kevin is that he's very... He underplays it all so well. Like, there's all this stuff that happens in the house in the first one. All this stuff that happens in New York in the second one. And it it's very underplayed. It's just like his mum finds him at the Rockefeller Center by the Christmas tree. And he's kind of mm-hmm. making that pledge. You know, I'll be good. I just want to see my family again. Do you know what? I'll just be happy seeing my mum. And he turns around and she's there. And there's all those kind of really lovely moments. But it's that's it. There's no, like, ever question of it. And, like, even back in the first one, the dad picks up the gold tooth, Harry's gold tooth, and is like, hey, what's what's this? Does anyone know what this is? And it just kind of ends there. There's no question that, you know, what's Kevin been up to? And actually, yeah, I've just been chilling out, you know, <laughs> he's not, he's not been up to anything. And that's what I really like about the films is that it, he, he's not, he's not like boasting about it or playing it up or anything like that. It's really, really like understated. And then at the end of each film, there's an issue with something he's done. So that the end of the first one, Buzz is like, Karen, what have you done to my room? Because he's trashed his room, you know, all his shelves come down and that's how the tarantula gets out and it's absolute chaos, you know, just to get, you know, the tin at the top. And in the in the, the end of the second one, it's the, the $900 um, room service bill and, and he hears his dad scream from the plaza and he's still in the middle of, you know, Central Park. And yeah, just, just a great, just great, great moment. And I, I really enjoy the fact that that's kind of, downplayed it's not it's not ever made a thing it's just like yeah i've just gone and done this good thing but hey i don't yeah nice good point yeah i agree he yeah he's humble with it he's not like braggy like you would imagine potentially a kid to be like um and yeah nine hundred dollars for his room bill that's only free sundays dom (laughs) right maybe that's all he had in the end (laughs) I would be uncomfortable though when he's like watching TV and the Sundays of the guy standing there serving it to me. I'd be, just leave it and please go. I need my time, oh. like with my ice cream. I don't want you stood there judging me. I hate that sort of thing anyway. Like, like you know, have you ever gone to a restaurant and you know the knives and forks are normally like laid out and you use them for your starter and then they come and give you another knife and fork and they start placing it. I hate mm-hmm. that shit. Just drop them and fuck off. Just leave it. I don't need you. I don't need you to put them in those places. I can do that myself. It's absolutely fine. I honestly yeah. don't need you to do that for me. Just, just put them down and go. I will I'll happily accept that. It drives me nuts when they do it. it. Really, really does. Yeah, I mean, and it always—that's like a conversation killer as well. Because it's mm. like I don't want you knowing what I'm talking about necessarily right now. Not that I'm talking about anything weird, but probably. I might be talking about you. The waiter doesn't leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps hovering around, giving me cutlery. <laughs> uh, but, okay, so what would you rate Home Alone 2 out of 10? You go first. What would you rate it? I mean, I want to give it a 10 as well, because this is one, it's also on my shelf. Uh, it's also one that I would have, I used to watch year round. As a kid, I watched Home Alone 2 more than Home Alone 1, no doubt. But as I've got older, I, I, I feel like Home Alone 1 is a better made movie. Like, not in terms necessarily of, uh, like, the way it's shot or anything like that. But it's a bit more 
simplistic in its originality and i just think it's a bit better of a all-round film but i love the second one it's kind of it's the same with like the mighty ducks i prefer the second one every single time but the first one is a way better made film if that makes sense um but yes but i also want to give it a 10 because it's also perfect but the first one i think is just a little bit better what do you think i actually um thought it was great i watched it um like i said the other day straight after watching the first one and i I actually enjoyed it uh, a little bit more so as much as i love the first one i really really like the second one the second one just it just felt a little bit better for me but so it's it's definitely Mm. a 10 as well they're both 10s they're they're quality they're both really well made they're quality films the dialogue's great the sentiment in it's great the the pranks or the the torture whatever you want to call it is great you know it's just (laughs) And yeah, the acting is is great as well. So they're both tens, without a doubt. For sure. I mean, I knew we were going to agree that we loved them both. So there was no doubt. Uh, It's it's all downhill from here. Oh, God. So here we go. Into into new territory. Number three. Number three. So as, as we've said earlier, neither Dom or I had seen any of these four films that we're going to talk about now. Uh, until you know i watched them a few weeks ago and don watched them within like the last week so the third one came out in 97 so it's not that far after uh the second one um mccauley colkin is obviously aged out at this point i don't know if they would have would have tried to have got him maybe to play not play the central role but maybe have been like the older brother or something and passing the torch or uh, who, who knows uh but the kid in it when i when it first started i thought oh my god it's the kid from liar liar it's not it's not the kid from liar liar but did you think that as well i thought exactly the same and then looked him up oh it's not that kid it's a different kid but he, he's, different he kid. looks exactly the same doesn't he looks he looks like the kid that plays max in liar liar you even know the character name yeah <laughs> oh mac because he calls him maximilian doesn't he yeah classic we'll have to cover that at some point that's what we say about everything um but what is interesting is that is this one he's not he's not left home alone well he is but it's not that his parents have gone away it's that he is ill uh with, with was it the measles the mom's chicken pox it, he's got he's got chicken pox yeah and his that's it his mom has to keep going to work and like pop right. into the, pop into the office so he's like home alone for sections of the day, mm. but he's not left home alone. And I wonder if this is because they were like, this is a bit irresponsible to be leaving <laughs> kids alone, which is fine. But we have we can sustain some disbelief because it's a movie. But uh, but what I think instantly is slightly is different about this one, but it gets worse as we go on is this is posed more for kids and we're losing some of those elements of uh some of those adult themes i mean dom talk to us about what the the antagonists in this one and what they're trying to get from the kid what what's quite strange is that harry and marv aren't really caricatures they're these two characters that are like kind of hapless aren't they they're a bit rubbish at what they do when they come up against a kid who's quite wily and um 
but they keep trying and they keep going, they keep going. And then we get to this film and the baddies are kind of like all international kind of like James Bond villain caricatures, aren't they? And and they're very Mm -hmm. much like that. One of them, they've got a big boss that they're working for and they've stolen this, um, this microchip thing from, uh, I was gonna say the RAF, but the U S I mean the U S air force and, um, you know, they're wanted criminals and the FBI have wanted them, been hunting them for seven years or whatever. And they've never quite caught up with them. And, and all their sort of plots of finding this chip get fumbled by this, this small child who, you know, is, is doing his neighborhood watch bit and spies on people with his telescope from his attic, you know, and the general premise of the film is quite good. It's quite fun. It's, it's incredibly silly, but it is the, the baddies and the antagonists are all very much, like I said, like a caricature. You've got your sort of typical kind of, one that's got a thick accent who I actually think probably was a villain in, in a Bond film at one point War Dom you know him you know him from a movie that's special to us as a collective he is the villain in Blue Streak yes he is he is yeah <laughs> <laughs> what a great film as well well, mate, that's definitely on the list for podcasting. <laughs> but he, I, I thought he was French, and I looked him up, and he's Polish, um, so my bad. Uh, but yeah, it, it is. It's like they. So what happens is for people that haven't seen the film, um, which I'm guessing might be quite a few of you, is <laughs> that is that they're they're in an airport. These uh, the villains and they've got a microchip like like Dom said they've stolen from the US Air Force and they hide it in a uh, radio control car that's not what we call them what are they called a remote control remote car control. that's it and um, and they accidentally get the bags mixed up during uh, going through the security in uh, in the airport and an old lady that lives across the road from our main kid our new kevin uh gives him this uh car this remote control car and he doesn't know but obviously it's got this chip inside and the villains then track it down and they're trying to get the car back so they can get the chip back so they can you know give it to their bosses and get paid and do whatever so the whole premise comes into them trying to get it off of him uh, but him not really knowing what's going on. And then he finds out that he finds the chip and, you know, eventually he kind of saves the day. But the villains this time, we've got, like Don was saying, the main boss. And then we've got like a younger, a younger guy, two younger guys and a woman. And they all just get battered during the film through, you know, the the torture pranks, as we're now stating them to be. Uh, the dad in the movie, is it this one? Is this one? Is Kevin yeah, Kilner? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he made it. <laughs> who, which is Larry version two in One Tree Hill, but also you know the dad in Smart House, and he just plays a great dad. As soon as he was in, I was like, this goes up a few points. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I thought exactly the same. As soon as I saw him, I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Kevin Kilner's in this. I, I know why we're watching this now. <laughs> Well, uh, as we can imagine, at the end of the day, 
new Kevin wins uh, and and saves the day. He, he also saves Alex, isn't it? Alex, my bad. So Sorry. Alex saves the day, and he saved the old woman across the street who's like kind of mean at the beginning. She is like helping him at the end, and he sort of saves her as well. Uh, when it, it one the main bad guy was like looking like he was just going to let her die, like of cold. Um, There's a really sinister touch to this film because when he's in one of the other people's houses so there's there's a point where this guy is searching house to house for this remote control car because within it is this chip you know this microchip that they're looking for that's you know very expensive and obviously some sort of like munitions chip or something like that you know kind of had a toy soldiers vibe to it and um they're they're looking for for this remote control car and he's like there's one point where he like fakes a phone call and he's like the bird is there's a there's a bird in it a parrot in it that lives in his house and he phones the answer phone of the house where this bad guy is in because he's watching them for his telescope and the guy's like talking to his team so the bad guy's talking to the rest of his team going i'm just gonna go and deal with the person in the house and he goes to go and kill the person in the house for 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 absolutely no reason and it it then becomes very apparent that it's just uh, the answer phone going and he's talking to a parrot but so, it was so weird. It's so like a really weird little sinister moment like that. It was just felt very odd. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does. It kind of fits in with a Home Alone film because there's a bit of the at, towards the end of Home Alone two where Harry's going to shoot Kevin in the face. I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then in 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 the first one, he's like biting on kevin's fingers right saying he's going to bite his fingers off and i've heard an interview with mccauley colkin he did he was on um, mark maron's podcast a couple years ago which i fully recommend i recommend you've got to listen to it dom is he goes through like his whole career like mccauley colkin but obviously from his adult perspective really interesting obviously talks a lot about the home alone movies he says he's got a scar on his finger from when joe pesci actually bit on his finger wow Jesus, oh, that's like method acting extreme, there, isn't it? I'm going to hurt the child actor. Just had enough of this kid on set. I tell you now, yeah, <laughs> you man, think this yeah. is acting? No, I think he was saying it. Like he, I don't think he meant to do it or whatever. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, it does kind of fit in. But where it's different is with Home Alone Three. They've gone more child. It's more like child friendly and then so when that moment it kind of sticks out like you were saying mm. uh i think i think the kid is the the actor that plays alex is good in this i thought he was good and he has a really good sincere moments where he's saying you know please she's old you know can you let her go when he's talking about the the older woman i liked it and i thought that if we this was in 97 if I'd seen this in 97, we would have been 10. I would have liked it. And I liked it when I watched it. I enjoyed it. I, I, I was, I, you go into these with such low expectations because you know how amazing the first two are and the fact that we don't know too much about them that I was like pleasantly surprised with three. I mean, what was your overall kind of feeling with it? Yeah, very similar to yourself. Like I, I went into it with, zero expectation and thought this is going to be this is going to be dreadful and actually i was quite pleasantly surprised that you know um 
Kevin Kilner appeared, Scarlett Johansson, when she's really young. Yes. Is the sister yeah. of, of, of Alex. And um, the the kid, Alex, who's like the, the Kevin type character, is played by someone called Alex as well. So I wonder if they did that for ease. Um, but it's good that I, I think what made it really good is that there's it's a slightly different scenario. He's kind of like protecting his neighborhood a little bit more. It's like, I'm going to protect my street. And then he has to protect his home. And then all the crazy things start happening. So there's a lot of similarities. You know, there's the the guy that sits in the chair and gets electrocuted. It's kind of like Marv in the second film. Uh, and he like he kind of shoots up, hits the wall, and then lands back in the chair and then continues to get electrocuted. Yeah. There's the great moment where faking where the swimming pool is and the trampoline. So he, like, fakes the swimming pool, the outline. Because there's quite thick snow and ice. He fakes the outline of where the swimming pool is puts the trampoline over where the real swimming pool is. So you just know that they're going to jump into that later on and like freeze to death, which, you know, pretty much happens as yeah. it's cold, very cold in Chicago, especially like that time of year. And yeah, it's just actually, I was really, really pleasantly surprised. I thought it was a good film. And I, I again, I thought the same as you and that if I'd been 10 and I was watching it, I would have been quite entertained. I thought actually this is, this is pretty cool. And the kid was quite quite cool and he was really intuitive and he could communicate with animals really well because he's got the rat <laughs> uh, was it doris doris the rat yeah and, and having a good old chat and doris gives him some advice and he goes for it you know i'm not going to be scared i'm going to protect my my house and my family and there's kind of a cried wolf kind of feel about it where he phones the mm-hmm. police uh, on two occasions and he gets in trouble because um they don't find the bad guys, even though he's like, I've, I've seen them, I've seen them. So he tries to record them and then chaos ensues from there. And he basically, yeah, basically we have an eight-year-old that smashes up these four adults repeatedly. And it's, it is entertaining. It is quite a fun little film. You know, I, I, I would actually recommend people watch the first two and, and this one. Mm. I was thinking like when, when uh, when my son gets old enough and I can show him these movies, I would definitely show him the third one as well. Mm. I think it's yeah, it's enjoyable. What what would you give it as an overall rating in our ten scale? I think seven. I think seven's quite a solid number. You know, a toy with an eight, but yeah, I think definitely a seven. What about you? Yeah, I think seven's fair. Like we're we're, we're grading it in terms of you know like kids family family movies you know within this genre i think seven is fair nice did you i meant to ask did you watch these in order like from one to six yeah 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 yeah, same 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 well actually i didn't i watched uh six well obviously one and two first but i watched six and then went back and then did them in order uh okay okay (laughs) let's talk about (laughs) <laughs> let's talk about number four <laughs> let's, talk, let's, let's talk about number four there's so much to talk about with number four. Oh my god this, like well just yeah no I, I don't even know where to begin other than i i have like a phrase in my head of how to describe number four but i'll let you go first no no i i'd, I'd love to hear it it's the Okay, so number four is the alternate re- reality of number one, but it's so much shitter. 
Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to find um, the year that it that it came out. It's got to uh, be like 2000 two, or something. 2002. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> okay, so five five years after the third one, um, and is yeah known as is Home Alone four, um, but I don't. What I don't quite get is, well, it's the continuation of the character, right? The main kid is Kevin, and we have Marv in this film, and he and they make reference to the fact that they know each other and that they've had these issues previously, and that Harry's not there. So we're we are in the same timeline. I don't. We couldn't even call this a reboot because we haven't started from the beginning. This is a continuation, but yet Kevin looks younger, if anything. Uh, also, we're not going to talk about any disparity of that 12 years has passed because there's technology and things being used in this in this movie and a lot of mod cons and everything. And why have we not got... Why did you leave Harry out if, we're, if we have a Marv? I mean, we'll we'll come back to that, I guess. Wait, is that the right way around? It's it's Marv, not Harry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, the general premise of this one is Kevin's parents are getting separated and Kevin's dad has a new fancy piece, right? <laughs> new bit of tail. <laughs> a little satin on his arm, but... She's got some money. Yeah, she comes from money, yeah. <laughs> She's got that Scrooge McDuck swim in the money money. <laughs> and she's got a house that's that's just got everything. You know, like it's got it's got basically it's two thousand and two. It's basically got like an iPhone type situation that controls all of the house. Is it's Alexa before Alexa existed, isn't it? Exactly, you can say fire on, lights off, you know, all of that stuff that we actually can do now, mm. right? It also comes with a butler that hates his job. <laughs> no? Uh, or am I thinking of a different one? No, no, that's no, right. that yeah, is this that's one. Right. Yeah, yeah. Who's, the, who's also the guy from Mr. Deeds? Um, <laughs> I love him. And basically, so Kevin decides he doesn't want to be with his mum. Basically says, mum, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to go with the money and have Christmas there uh, and have Christmas with his dad. His dad sort of starts out a little bit shitty, really, right, towards the mum. They've been separated for eight months. He's getting trying to get a divorce in to remarry. The mum's still harboring feelings. I mean, this is very TV movie. Low Def- budget. Oh, definitely. I was thinking this is a... Uh... If it was coming over here, it'd be straight to Channel 5, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean... It's hard to talk about this one because you've got, you've got the, even Buzz. Buzz was like so many years younger than the original Buzz, but was it was a continuation of the story, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it just, it does just carry on. It, uh, 
that's why I kind of said it's like alternate reality because the house is tiny, they're separated. Or I kind of imagined that it was like they've separated and she's had to move into this smaller house because, you know, she can't afford the upkeep of a house with 26 bedrooms, whatever, like we discussed earlier, and or rooms in general. And it's just, she's finding it really difficult to cope with, uh, you know, getting to the holiday season and being without her husband who has decided to go off with this, you know, younger, richer, more successful woman. Um, <laughs> and has decided... Fancy complete, piece. Yeah, completely decided to ditch his family. What a what a great guy. At Christmas. Yeah, yeah, at Christmas as well. And um, the guy that plays the dad in this one is actually in Chicago Fire. He's, at, well, he's actually from Chicago PD. And he plays... Um, a character called like Detective Voigt and he's got a really deep voice and he kind of like really talks like that really gruff deep voice and in this film I was expecting Kevin's dad about Kevin you piece of shit you know that sort of thing and he really didn't he really didn't so he must have to put that on for Chicago PD unless he had some sort of accident but yeah it's quite quite unusual uh, quite what? weird to, to see him in this role because he's not a nice character in, in Chicago Fire so um, but yeah the 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 Kevin in this was just, he irritated the shit out of me. He Here annoyed me. He annoyed me so much. Just Here like, I was kind of on, on the rich lady's side. Just like, he was like, it's not my fault. It's not my fault that the place got flooded like right at the beginning. And actually it was, you fucking, you trapped the, the bad people in the, the bathroom, shower room, and you pressed all the buttons on this fancy shower that gave off pressure like it was, like a fire hose. It was just crazy. It was ridiculous. It's like a car wash. Yeah. A shower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what, what is she having to scrub off of it? She, she goes in there with like barnacles or something like that. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I just get absolutely battered by the water and it floods the whole place. And he's like, it's not my fault. We're getting robbed. And the, it then becomes like the, oh, this is all a cry for, for attention. You know, he misses his daddy and, you're not paying him enough attention because you're paying me attention because I'm the rich, you know, girlfriend slash fiance and fancy piece. The fancy piece, yeah. And the even when we got into the the pranks and all of that, it was just it just wasn't even on par with the third one. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well, before we get there, um, it's implied that the the butler has got something to do with. Marv, new Marv, and his girlfriend, fiance, whoever, uh, them sort of infiltrating and and whatever, like an inside man. And I thought, <laughs> I can't lie, I thought, well, this film is so simple in in some of this in the writing and whatever. I, I was like, I guess that is what the twist is going to be. It kind of gives it to you on a plate without saying it. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm sure that he's the inside man. And it wasn't until about three seconds before the twist that actually it's like the cook or the uh, the woman that's in there is actually that I was like, oh wait a minute, oh my god, it got me! I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> so the housekeeper like suddenly appears and she's the one with the the shitty edge, and she turns out to be Marv's mum. Shitty edge. <laughs> is that what you said? A shitty edge. Yeah. It gave me like. Shitty edge to the film as well. <laughs> Would it be yeah, better I mean, if this disgruntled butler who just fucking hated his job, he hated the woman that he worked for because she's just a complete asshole. 
was the inside man. It just would have been better, like, all round, to be honest. And then they, they did the old switcheroo by locking him in the wine cellar with Kevin. He's like, oh, let me use your cell phone. And it's just fucking <laughs> absolute nightmare. And it turns out that the housekeeper is the one that's, you know, Marv's mom all along and has been in on it for years and playing the long game. Ridiculous. Them getting in the wine cellar and he's like, can I use your cell phone? You're an adult. Why are you not phoning somebody? (laughs) Why has he got a phone, his brother, that just hangs up on him twice? It's just ridiculous. I'd I'd hang up on him as well. (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone know you're down there? They don't. All right, bye. (laughs) Let's keep it that way. (laughs) Oh, I feel bad because it's it's not the kid's fault, right? Like, as in, it's not, the the kid is not a bad actor like dumb no i mean i mean he's put into this situation he's directed this way so it's not the there kids we go fault. it's not the kids fault. no no dumb. <laughs> stop what? i didn't say anything <laughs> but okay but we've got to talk about this whole continuity thing because what the fuck like if you if you if right you're a filmmaker and i've said hey Here's the rights to do Home Alone 4, but not only that, we want you to do a continuation. Do better than this. You would do better than this, wouldn't you? Like, original characters. Okay, you've got Marv in there. Like, this guy that's playing Marv, <laughs> like Ernest gone to jail kind of guy. Do you know he, what I mean? He looked like... He's the guy from Third Rock from the Sun, isn't he? Do you remember Third Rock oh, from the Sun? Oh, is he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember oh, the, the like, yes. stupider one that was, like, he was, like, the radio that would communicate? Yes. That's, that's it. He, I think his character was called Harry in that, wasn't it, as well? Oh. Consequently, even though he's Marv <laughs> in this one. I reckon I could, I could make a better version of that film in my flat now. I could, I could film something on my phone, probably a few different cutscenes of myself being the different characters... And send that to you and be like, this is better than Home Alone 4. Dreadful. I, I believe it, <laughs> but now but now I want to see it. <laughs> Give me a few days. I'll put something together. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what, how I can hash out iMovie <laughs> and put it together. You, you just, I just imagine you just like flooding your apartment. I'll, do it. <laughs> I'll fucking do it. <laughs> well, okay, so... In the end, uh, the woman gets found out, like the fancy piece, gets found out as to not being into the kids. She doesn't give a shit about the kids. Um, She just likes the guy. I guess she likes... Maybe. Maybe it's the $3,000 coat. (laughs) He hasn't got a three thousand dollar coat. She does. <laughs> she's got yeah. She's got several of them. But uh, it turns out she's not interested in in the kids. So he says, you know, okay, fine. Well, then I'm not interested in you. We're like a package and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, decides actually I'm going to go back to my wife because I love her all along. And she just turns around like, hey. You've been off with your fancy piece for the last eight months, doing God knows what, but guess what? No problem. Let's do it. Come back. I love you, and let's act like nothing ever happened. Yeah. What the fuck? I hope you enjoyed your midlife crisis. 
now come home. <laughs> Crazy. You got your wang seen to for eight months, and now you're back. Not a problem. <laughs> Wipe you... it off before you get into bed, and all good. You try going back to her when she's had three kids, you piece of shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I lost you there, not I? Terrible. Like, terrible. I couldn't believe that ending. Um... If anyone is ever, if, if we've sold anyone on watching this, I implore you to look at the end when they're celebrating, like, yeah, everything's good, we're happy again, and watch the kid that's playing, like, the Buzz character. He sort of doesn't really know what to do when they're all celebrating, so he's just kind of just, like, fist bumping, like, yeah, yeah, because like, it's sort of, it's just sort of trying to interact with people. There's also royalty in this one for some reason that are coming to visit yeah she's she's collecting like the crown prince from some nation uh, and they're coming to stay with her because she's got this beautiful super massive mansion um and yeah because she's important in that in that sort of circle in that world and she's like entertaining them isn't she and even they the royal family decide to abandon her on christmas and go with the McAllisters. Yeah, definitely. But, but like from, I mean, from start to finish of this film, it was pretty. It's pretty bad, isn't it? It's pretty bad. <laughs> Is it the worst film that we've ever covered on the podcast? Yes. <laughs> I don't even have what, to hesitate. I mean, that. What would be that next? Home Alone Five. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got to that yet. I know. But what? What would be what would be next? What in terms of what a would bad, be like a bad film? That it would be yeah the next bad film that we've covered. We haven't covered a bad film yet. Excellent. There you go. It would Perfect literally it would literally be Home Alone Five. <laughs> Fucking dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so dare I ask, what do you give this one out of ten? One. As a generous one, honestly, the acting is poor, 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 poor. And there's some, like you know the the butler is in um, the film Mr. Star. Deeds. Yeah, he's in Mr. Deeds. I've not seen that, but he's in Stargate, which I I, I really love. And then he he ends up in the series as well. And um, yeah, I like so I, like there's an, an affiliation to to that actor for me there. Uh, again, the the dad is in Chicago Fire. I haven't started watching Chicago PD yet, but he's like a main character in that. And yeah, this but the, just the the kids being a carry on of Kevin slash Buzz and and like the sister from from the first two films ended up being younger. They they weren't as good at acting. I have to say, so the performance was just awful. The directing was dreadful. It was just crap, isn't it? <laughs> it was shot all right. Yeah, it was shot all right. I guess so. like it wasn't. It wasn't shaky cam or anything, you know. Yeah. Okay. So they had they had some freight like 
They had some stands for the cameras. Great. <laughs> they had equipment. They had equipment. Yeah. But what about what? What are you rating it? Are you? Are you going? Are you going? Are you stooping that low, or are you? Are you giving it a chance? You're giving it a chance, I'd, aren't you? I'll give it a two. Oh, I thought you I'd give it a two. Only because I, the same actor um, that that you like, I also like from Mr. Deeds, and I think I feel like I've seen him in something else as well. I like him, even though it didn't really get explained that well as to why he would sometimes be away from his post when he was meant to be on security. It, yeah, uh, it was just it was to it was to make you think that he was in on it, and he was letting. Yeah, it's really just because he hated working there. Just a disgruntled yeah. employee that actually had nothing to do with the plot at, at any yeah. point. It was just <laughs> yeah, you could have written him out. To be honest, it would have been easier. But what, when you think about the nuanced characters of the guy Pigeon Lady and the guy shoveling snow and all and those stories, and then you think about a butler that they don't even explain why he hates his job or anything or why. He sometimes just goes missing in the day or whatever. There's drunk. nothing there. Yeah, well, there's, just... there's, there's not even a nicety about him either, is there? Like until basically, like until quite near the end, because he's actually quite rude to Kevin. He's actually quite nasty to him. You know, he's like, "Oh, why is it called a dumb waiter?" Uh, you know, it's you know, it's a waiter because it it serves people you from one floor to another. Oh, but why is it called dumb? Like, oh, because it doesn't speak, and you know. He's almost like children should be seen and not heard, and he's really got a, like a really shitty attitude, doesn't he? You know, it's yeah. just like, oh, what's it? wow, this is this is harsh. But he is meant to be like that old guy from the first one, pigeon lady, second one. You know, he's meant to it's meant to have that feeling to it, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. So there we go, a one and a two. We've gone from tens to seven to one and a two. Which brings us on to Home Alone 5, The Holiday Heist. Yes. <laughs> well, this one was from, I think it was 2012. No, um, that late. Hang on, I'm looking. Yeah, 2012. Oh my god. So I, I had... I'd never heard of Home Alone 4, never. I feel like I knew that there might have been another TV movie type. I had never, never in my lifetime heard of Home Alone 5 or The Holiday Heist. And in fact, Disney Plus doesn't even want you to see it. You have to really search for it. You have to type out the whole Home Alone thing. You know, normally, if you put in like Home A, they would all start cropping up. Holiday Heist, it's like down. You have to scroll down to find it. They've really put it at like the bottom of the pit for you to have to get through a labyrinth to get there. But we did get there and we watched it. Uh, do you want to lay the plot out for us for this one, Dom? Oh. Well, it's not a continuation. It's not. It's a new family. We, it's, yeah, is it Finn? Is that his name? The, the Kevin type character? Let me... Let me look. Let me look at that for you, my friend. Yeah, we got a, this. We got a nomination. It is Finn. Oh, it is Finn. Okay. What do you reckon the nomination was for? Oh, it's got to be for a uh, raspberry, like the shittest film ever made. No, it was for a UBCP slash ACTRA Awards, Vancouver, 
It was a nominee for Ellie Harvey for Best Actress. Is that the, the sister? Ellie Harvey is, yeah, the sister. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, let's think of some of the films that came out in 2012. War Horse. Um, J. Edgar. Uh, what else? Leo. Leo, yeah. Leo again. Let's let's just keep going through. See if we can find some better ones. The the Muppets film. There's a Muppets film that came out that year. In twenty twelve. Woman, yeah. Woman in Black. You know, Daniel Radcliffe mm-hmm. moving away from Harry Potter. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the the films that I've just mentioned aren't particularly great. Great films. <laughs> the Hunger Games. You know, one of them came out that year. They're not. I'm not heading into Oscar worthy kind of movies here. But I would pick them all day, any day over this. <laughs> What's that? Tell us about some of the synopsis in this one. What's happening for people that haven't seen it? So the main family in it have got to move from California to Maine. And they're, it's very snowy in Maine. So they're not used to the snow and they're not used to the, the, the new climate that they're moving into. And they're moving into this house that's a bit creepy um and the previous owners of the house apparently moved out because it's haunted and it's haunted by an old bootlegger who would hide make booze in in the basement um and sell it on you know you know you know what bootleggers are you're all smart people um and um essentially they find in the basement that there's a secret kind of bookshelf that opens out and there's a safe and uh they can't get into the safe and they're wondering what's going on and then to the side of that the villains the three villains of of the episodes we've got three of the episode of the of the film are trying to break into that safe because within it is a lost painting by uh edvard munch who did the screen painting and this painting is like worth 85 million dollars and yeah to to the to one of the guys it's a painting of his grandmother and this is his connection to it and he wants it it feels like it's his family right so they're going to rob the house while they think it's empty and it of course isn't empty it's now filled by this new family who are there because the mum has got a new job in Maine and they've had to up sticks and move to there and that's pretty much again then at that point when chaos kind of ensues that's that's a great great synopsis um and bang on the money uh something i just want to add that we didn't say uh, because i'm about to say about this one we didn't say about the last one is also in home alone 4 he is not home alone he's just home alone for some sections of the daytime it's not like he's left in the house to fend for himself mm-hmm. and that's the same that happens in this one is that there's moment the family is there the whole time but there's this this sort of climax moment of where the mum and dad have gone to this like work dinner the sisters around sometimes which she gets trapped in the basement later a lot of people, a lot of people get trapped in basements in these <laughs> later home alone films <clears throat> but uh the kid finn who's like our kevin he is like obsessed with video games now the one bit that i actually thought it gave me a couple smiles i wouldn't say like an outward laugh but you know a couple haha internal laughing uh 
was the he made a friend online who's like an older guy who didn't know that he was a kid and they just have all these different innuendos of where that um you know it makes it sound like the guy's being creepy or whatever but he's not and he actually has his house gets raided by police that 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 was the the funniest moment of the film that was like the best bit for me as well because he he sort of hacks finn's like ip address and gets the address of where they live and he finds it from a credit card information that he's put into the game so he's at, like online gaming with this guy uh and he even says oh i didn't realize you were like 10 years old man you know i, I should be calling the cops or something because finn starts letting him know about his plans and he thinks he's playing a game but he's like no 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 this is really happening and he's like oh shit i need to be calling the police and this guy you know tries to do the good samaritan thing and phone phones the mum and says to the mum like hi I, <laughs> I play online games with your son and like oh, on a wait but i'm you know it's not in a weird way i just you know i only found out he was 10 today and anyway your doctor's locked in a basement and it, it just kind of <laughs> yeah. then the mum just like goes from like zero to a hundred in in like a second and starts screaming at him going i will end you and just like yeah and then the SWAT team move in and he's like you got the wrong house D- does he sneeze and they like pepper spray him or something like that yeah basically <laughs> they pepper spray him that, that it, he, I, I, I did laugh at the, kind of his scenes he, that i think that was kind of the best bits of the film he was like the shining light um something that is unfortunate and that i don't understand and i'm hoping you can clear this up for me dom is um what's going on with the little kid that keeps making snow forts and snowballs across the street uh, yeah and he, he keeps making a snow wall and he said oh this we there's so many things we could do we you know because finn gets kick, <laughs> kicked out of the house it's like go and play with the kid over the over the street and he's like oh okay so he goes over there and he's like what's there to do around here it's like well we could make snowballs we could make snow walls we could you know go snow skiing we could like what other sort of skiing are you doing you fucking weirdo and like we could <laughs> we could make snow cones we could do this we could do that it's just like what is what is wrong with this kid we can make a snowman i think there's something else to do but just get a fucking bat and ball and just batter it at each other you what this kid is on something <laughs> No, he's just obsessed yeah, with snow. Yeah, literally obsessed. Like, in Maine in the summer, he must be, like, the most depressed child you've ever seen. Just, like, playing in it, the freezer at home, you know. Just like that. He's, he's just so happy to be outside in the snow. And actually, I think the real, like, what they're missing in this film is we need more of what's going on with him. I think he is home alone because I haven't seen it an aorta of his family <laughs> and if they are there they're just like yeah fuck off and play out in the snow <laughs> like the whole time he's just out there it's freezing cold it's night time it's why are you playing with snow yeah at all hours of the day like all day and night isn't it? it just seems to just continuously be outside and it's like oh there's there's a creepy house over the road that um you know may or may not have a ghost that scared people away and is is threatening to kill people but also the house is getting robbed by some fairly dangerous people as well so just keep playing outside do you know what let's give him some razor blades or something as well let's throw up this fucking let's let's chuck something dangerous in there for him to do while while he's out there because we think we couldn't give a shit i think he is the real home alone case exactly like you said the other kid's not home alone he's home with sister that's what the film should have been called yeah again yeah because he's not home alone well uh 
so eventually these robbers they get in and you know yeah they lock the daughter in the basement uh with the sister sorry and there's all, all of all of that sort of stuff going on what i did like about this one is how that was a little bit different like as in they then they were trying to do it without bothering the family and it's like the family didn't know it was there and all of that but yeah in the end there's all the hijink pranks and stuff but he does he uses like his computer like his xbox or whatever and stuff you know it's a bit more up to date with how you would do these things now i guess I mean, if if it was social commentary on how kids don't have an imagination, or or like they do have an imagination, but it's kind of tied into computer games and stuff, I think that's almost the point that they're trying to make out of this film. Because like this, this from start to finish, he's obsessed with playing this video game. He's playing it in the car on his like handheld device. Then he gets they get to the new home, and the first thing he does, he just sets up the TV and the Xbox, like you said, in his like gaming chair. And that's it. They're going for it. He's just he's just playing his online game, and the mum's like screaming at him to get off it. And then, as all the nonsense starts to kick in, and he has to start protecting the house and plotting all these d- devices against the robbers, he's using the the kind of computer game strategies to mm. to win, and uh, it, it then becomes a does he have an imagination can he play outside there's almost like a strange social commentary around it that's built into the film isn't there that like kids should just be playing on these games less and getting out but actually maybe there's a lesson to be learned from these games as well it felt very odd but i have to say the dad was actually quite a likable character it wasn't Mm. brilliant but actually he's actually quite a likable character in it the sister was okay she was actually quite bland the kid like the mum was really irritating, but she was all right as well. And the kid, like the kid, the Kevin type kid, was I found very obnoxious and very annoying. And just, I, yeah, I could have done with the mum walking in with a bat and just smashing his TV to pieces. And just being like, "Fucking play with that kid out there with the snow, you little tosser!" <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> the kid was definitely—he went over the line into obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Like where we were saying that Macaulay Culkin was on like the humble side, this kid was fully obnoxious. I know people, or used to. I don't, I'm not friends with these people anymore. <laughs> but I had people that were like this, like like as adults that would just be in a room that 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 it's just a chair and a video game screen as adults with everything else like in looking like someone squatting there you know (laughs) other people a few people that i cough in like my late 20s but for reasons like this they're just not my kind of people but i mean look it's fine to be gaming and i think that there are definitely kids that blatantly are like this now uh but and that's a good point of the story is it ends with him playing with that kid in the snow Mm. And being a bit like, yeah, game and do whatever you want to do, but is everything in moderation? Like when we were kids, God, this makes us sound old, doesn't it? But when we were kids, but we used to play like N64 and Super Nintendo and PlayStation 1 and 2 and whatever all the time. But we also, it was always balanced. We'd also go outside and play football. Like we'd play football and be outside way more than we would be inside, yeah. you know? 
we used to play games on on like the climbing frame or kicking a ball around and playing with the nets or like battering each other with hockey sticks you know all those sorts of things <laughs> yeah. there's there's all sorts of crazy fun things we were doing outside you know even like at one point messing about on skateboards and stuff you know just anything that could break mm-hmm. our necks we were giving it a go at least <laughs> yeah for sure uh, and so yeah, it ends with we have. I can't even remember a good amount of the pranks. I didn't even watch it that long ago, but some of it, it yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. The kid was kind of annoying. Um, again, it wasn't like he was a bad actor or anything. They're directed and written in certain ways. The the only thing that was really notable was um, if you lifted up a bottle of wine, it shut the safe door because there's like a secret room mm-hmm. at the back of the safe and you're trapped inside, you're trapped in that basement. And that's how they trapped the burglars in there, the robbers. So they 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 needed the, the safe cracking guy to open the door. And then once it was open, their like plan B was he would run to the, the loo because there was a vent where she could communicate with him through this vent up, that went up to the bathroom. And there was a string that was attached to one of the bottles of wine and he pulled it really hard. It lifted the bottle of wine that meant the door would start closing and she kind of Indiana Joneses her way out of it and like jumps through the gap in the door. And that was another funny moment there because the, the cops are kind of watching because it's like a security camera that they've got to feed to. And they're like, well, yeah. sort of like sitting around eating popcorn or whatever and or pizza or something like that. And it, again, it was they're in a completely different city or whatever and it seemed like that was the best part of the film. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, there were a couple highlights, but yeah. I mean, what would all in all, what would you give this one out of 10? It's like marginally better than than number four. Four. I'd probably give it a three. Okay, so still low. Yeah, still, oh, it's still very low. low. Yeah, yeah, I'd give it a three. <laughs> what about you? Uh... I could see a three. Uh, I could if I I could bend to a four only for the video game guy. Mm. He was a saving grace in this movie. Um, so yeah, I could give it a four. And then last but not least, number six, which <laughs> has been out a few weeks. It's called Home Alone. Home sweet home alone. That's it, Home Sweet Home Alone, which, okay, so this is on Disney+. Plus. They're all on Disney+, Plus, uh, but this one's like still in the banner, I think. Like They're still promoting it pretty heavy. It is not a continuation. Oh, no, it is a continuation. It is within the same universe, but it's not the same family. Uh, but it's, yeah, within the same universe. And it's in, it's in Chicago, we get a cameo from Buzz, which was amazing, played by the same actor. Uh, that was a nice part. I'm not. I'm not sure it's even really a cameo because he's kind of, he kind of in a, in a, a few, few scenes. scenes. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like he's a like a bit part, isn't he? And they sell it on him as well. Like when you click into the movie, he is like the the still frame. Mm. So. Uh, and it definitely helped him being in it. It was kind of like, oh, so we might get a little bit. And we do get some background about Kevin. We'll talk about that in a minute. But essentially, we've got a British kid. And this pissed me off. <laughs> 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 because it's like, oh, why? 
why? I mean, we are British. But it's like, but why? I don't want... You know when sometimes you hear a British person in a movie, in an American movie, and they sound even more British because, you know, the accent in comparison. But sometimes it can just make us look douchey. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, what's really funny is that Ashling Ashling B, who plays the mother, is incredibly Irish in real life. She's, She's got, like, a really, really thick Irish accent in real life, but is playing a, a, an English uh, woman living in America. So it's it's very odd, very, very strange. And the kid, yeah, again, the kid's not a bad not a bad actor. He's quite good. He's in another film as well. He's in a, a film that um, Stephen Merchant, I think, directed. Or is he in, or something like that. I, I... And is, in, is it Jojo jo Rabbit? Yeah, was that Stephen in... Merchant? I might have made that up. It was someone. Uh, no, Jojo... Jo... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's He's been in some things mm. with notoriety uh for, and he is a good actor but why why british like do you think they wrote it in or do you think they just liked him when they were auditioning and so decided to make the character british i'm not sure i really don't know like maybe but there's no explanation as to why he's british no explanation as to why his mother's british like the sister it was even british but the dad was american so the, the, but there's no context to that at all. At any point in the film, there's just no... It's not really brought up. Other than them throwing in jokes about them being British, you know, throughout it. There's there's, there's no real connection to it at all. So I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I, I was I, I was more surprised at the fact that uh, the, the girl that plays Erin in The Office is playing Pam. <laughs> Oh right, yes, yeah. I, 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 when I saw her, that because, what eventually she becomes one of the, I guess antagonists, but we never really see them in that way because we're kind of on their side, and we we can talk about that. But yeah, seeing her in it, seeing Keenan in it was obviously a, a big plus uh, for me. Uh, but okay, so basically the, a brief synopsis is... Actually, you do the synopsis, Dom. You do these way better. <laughs> well, we, we have a... Like the two contrasts, we have a very rich family that's a lot of people, and this is where the chaos is and kind of that Home Alone, original Home Alone film kind of feeling in that they're about to go on holiday, they're going to Tokyo, and there's a storm their seats they've been split onto different flights because because of the bad weather so they're having to fly in separately for whatever reason it's it's all become very complicated because they're they're splitting up aircraft to make sure that everybody can fit and get them over there so the 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 parents have been separated from the children on 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 two separate flights he the, the our main protagonist gets upset with something gets himself in trouble he's trying to get his mum's attention and she freaks out at him and he's kind of like well everybody hates me i'm just uh, you know i wish i wasn't here i wish you weren't here i want to be home alone and he goes and sits in the car in the garage and then ends up falling asleep and they all leave for the airport without him and obviously because the kids going on a separate plane they the mum just kind of assumes that he's there and you know, there's been a headcount done by the dad who didn't do it or by one of the friends. And it's all very complicated and convoluted. On the other side of that, we've got this, you know, quite sweet little family that don't have a lot of money and they're, they're struggling and they're trying to sell their house. And that's why Keenan's there. He's like their, their realtor and he's tr- trying to put the house in the market. And they've got people coming in and, and um, looking around, but they don't want to tell the kids because they don't want to ruin Christmas. 
and then they find out that um, they've got these dolls that are worth quite a lot of money, and one in particular is worth about two hundred thousand dollars, and it's it's the mum of the kid that ends up being home alone that goes, oh, I saw that on kind of like a antiques roadshow kind of program. It's worth a lot of money, and this is like this doll selling this doll will solve a lot of our problems. This will this will make us kind of solvent again, and we can stay in this house and we won't have to move. But the doll goes missing, and they only they they assume that. The British kid and mother have taken the doll. So, yeah, it then becomes a challenge to get the doll back, which then ends up making them look like burglars robbing his house when he's home alone. And actually, they just want their property back. <laughs> yeah, great great synopsis again. You've got a future in this kid. Um, <laughs> the Thanks. young prince. The young prince. But... They, it, yeah, it kind of blends some of the previous Home Alone storylines together, doesn't it? It's kind of like the the microchip from Home Alone Three, except it it's not an illegal, you know, entity that they have, um, and and kind of like the Holiday Home Alone Five one. It's like they just want this one thing back, but it is actually theirs, and they think the kid has stolen it. And then as they're going, there's all this sort of, they're not sure that he's alone. They think there's like a, a German nanny or something, right? But it's really like an Alexa that they've that he's accidentally got the wrong language on it. Yeah, they, they think that, so there's a scene where they go to church and the, the, the family that are on the, let's let's say it how it is, on the, on the poorer side of the scale are in the church and there's toys being given to kids who are less privileged and that kind of, you know aren't going to get much for christmas so there's like a toy drive at this church and our protagonist our main protagonist child appears at this church as well and um gets given a toy because he he says oh my parents are gone meaning they've gone to tokyo i've been alone for a couple of days and and the 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 late the older lady and that's in the church feels sorry for him and gives him a toy which turns out to be like a massive like nerf gun or like water gun or something and as they turn around and see the kid, they think that's his grandmother. And then when they eventually break into the house, the like the home hub thing speaks in German because it's set to the wrong language. So they think that he's got a German grandmother in the house. And then they, they keep saying, they'd like learn a couple of phrases in German to kind of say, we're not robbing you, we want our thing back and then we'll go. But he doesn't understand that because he's not actually German and all these sorts of weird... That There's a moment with a VR headset he manages to slip on a VR headset onto the guy and make him feel like he's about to jump across a ravine. It was there's some crazy <laughs> yeah. stuff in there. I, the the gun with the pool, the pool like snooker ball in it. That was mental. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it was that like, was back to like throwing bricks at people's <laughs> head. Like not not at the same severity, but like yeah, you're doing damage with that. Yeah, yeah, we were back to like full on. You're getting smashed up, and there was like nice nods in this one to the original with the the sugar coming down the the stairway and all all the stuff mm-hmm. that was being launched down the stairs at him and uh, making a, a right old mess of it. And they keep some that like so. Let's talk about the the buzz Lincoln. So he is now police officer, and we find out that Kevin has his own line of security, like, 
protection you know cameras and sensors and whatever and it's like McAllister brand so which I thought was quite that's quite cool because yeah that's his thing he's protecting his home right I, I thought that was a really good touch that was, that was smart that was really smart and Buzz is always saying oh my brother always pranks me this time of year by you know there's a kid home alone sort of like how you could imagine looking back on something that happened you know 30 years ago or whatever and it being like a running family joke i thought i thought it was really good i liked the way they tied that in together and i liked the way how our antagonists weren't actually antagonistic and we're on their side as well as being on the kids side so like nobody in this is bad uh and that's cool and uh again this is the only film of the six or of the the four sorry newer ones where he's actually home alone you know the other three the kids weren't home alone so i like they had the balls to do that yeah and he thought he would get in trouble didn't he if he called the police and everything yeah he has this whole scenario of imagining his mum in jail and her saying why did you call the police you know you told them you were home alone and I got put in jail because of this and it kind of builds up this like horrendous little crisis that he has in his head and he he doesn't phone the police again because they come round this is where like Buzz turn, comes round and the two parents that are trying to get their doll back are there and they're explaining that they live in the house and you know that the husband is always forgetting the security code because he's he's caught onto what the security code is and yeah it's just um buzz is like getting flirted with by by this mom and it, it kind of makes me go oh, okay i'll let you off and, and go and he disappears and then yeah that's when the whole oh there's a kid that's reported himself as being home alone and he's there's robbers or whatever that are attacking he's like oh that's <laughs> that's my brother he runs the the security company that like managed the property and he's just winding me up and it's not a coincidence and blah 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 so it did bother me though how messy he ate that oh, burrito. And you, yeah, me too. I knew it would really affect you, but it really bothered me as well. It's all down his uniform. He looked horrendous. Uh, just like the you, the slapping of his chops as well was horrible. And you're just wasting it. You're just wasting it. Yeah, just wearing most of it. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Was there was so there, was there a particular part of that film that stood out to you of number six? I like the ending. Uh, so they <laughs> went. <laughs> no, I quite enjoyed this one. I <clears throat> I wrote on my Instagram on uh, my stories. I said, like, I, I my initial anger at the Britishness of the kid, and then a bit later when I finished it, I actually quite enjoyed that. Like, it inspired me to want to go and watch the other ones to sort of link it in. But I liked how it ended with, actually, the doll, he didn't steal the doll. The doll was there the whole time. And then another kid got it. And just and he has this, this other kid has this thing of just throwing things in the air. So he throws it up and actually the British kid catches it. And it's kind of, you know, everything gets made good, except for the fact that they ruined that house so they had to spend a lot of money like fixing the chandelier and stuff which is something that you spoke about in these previous home loans that we never deal with is the aftermath of a wrecked house <laughs> but yeah uh, what about you was there anything in particular did you what did you think of like the torture pranks and all of that stuff yeah um i, I don't think there's anything out of that that particularly stood out to me other than like oh 
he's trying to turn me into a cookie because it was like flour and butter and this and it's like the only thing that's missing is sugar and then that gets launched at him down the stairs and yeah I, I like the ending as well it's kind of has that nice feeling to it they're all at dinner together and you know discussing it um there's kind of like a rich family is that like family on their side that turn up and start giving them presents and it's all like fancy watches and stuff and like, oh we can't accept this we can't accept that but they were they were sort of humble in a in a weird way and and then just ridiculously silly when they were breaking into this kid's house just to try and get this doll back you know and it was all very very explainable and then right at the end when they do get the chance to explain it when the chandelier falls on them and lands on their head that that we're not here to hurt you or anything we're just here to get this doll back and he's like well, I didn't take the doll and it's just like ah oh, well where's your grandmother my grandmother she's in London what about your German grandmother. Well, that doesn't exist, and it's just like, well, where are your parents? Oh, they went to Tokyo. I'm like, oh, well, you can stay with us then. It was immediately like, oh, okay, we're all friends now. Yeah, we've all kind of yeah put the world to rights because we've actually had a conversation. <laughs> well, and that they don't usually show those things in movies, and you always say that about how these things can always just be explained with a conversation, and you they actually had it. Yeah, it actually happened. Yeah. It was very, very rare to to get that, and yeah, I, I guess it was a nice kind of heartfelt ending. Um, it did have the same sort of tone, like the mother had the same sort of tone as as like the original mother from Home Alone, going, "I need to get back to my boy," and storming up to the the lady at the gate in the airport and saying, "You know, can I get on this flight or not?" And she's like, "We'll call standbys yeah. at the end," and it's just like, "My child is at home alone," and her. There's the same sort of sentiment there, so there's there's some good there's some good parallels, but yeah, it's, it doesn't. She even had the right. same coat. Oh, did she? Yeah, well, not maybe not the exact same coat, but the same color coat. They're sort of dressing her in the same sort of way. Um, but yeah, I agree. Also, you know, they they're not. It doesn't live up to the first two. But I mean, what would you give it out of ten? <laughs> I was thinking five, but I think I'll go for six. I think I'll give it a six. What about you? I think I think I'd match Home Alone three and go with the seven. I feel like it was on par with the Home Alone three. And I'm saying I'm saying <clears throat> seven in terms of you know as good as they could make a Home Alone film. And, and even saying that makes me think maybe Home Alone three and this one should be at six because. Actually, I think that's fairer. I think if I can, if I can retrospect, if that's okay, I'd put Home Alone three and Home Alone six at six. Mm-hmm. I would put four at two, and I would put five at a three. And you're saying you'd go ten, ten, and then for three you'd go seven. For four you'd go one. one. For five you'd go three three and then for six you'll go six six yeah okay six and three are the only ones that that discuss any sort of damage and paying for it as well because in the in the third one they have to pay for the damage of other people's houses that because he phones the police they break into the hat the police break the doors down of the houses to search the houses and and they yeah it's the only time that they the mother says we've got to pay for those doors now and yeah, I, I like that touch. It was quite interesting. 
Yeah, and I I think what what I liked about six over three is that the villains were better. I found the villain the villains annoying in three. Mm. I mean that that's let's do that. So how how would you rank them? So Home Alone's one to six. What's your number one? Just like as in if you were to say, yeah, one to six. Which one's your favourites? What in in order? Yeah, in order from one from your favorite to your least favorite. Um, okay, two, one, but they're more or less level. So two, one, three, six, five, four. Okay, yeah, I think I'll go one, two, six. Three, five, four. Nice. We both decided that four is the worst film ever. It is so bad. And five, and five is the next worst. Yeah, yeah. genuinely the next one and worst. two are the best, and three and six in the middle. Uh, and then, uh, what about your? Like, if we're talking, I'm sure it's probably the same. But and it sounds odd to say, how do you rank our Kevin's? Oh. Macaulay Culkin smashes it out of the park. Then, then Alex from the third film. Then probably the kid from the sixth sixth film. I don't even remember his name, the character name. Did he have a name? <laughs> he gives a shit. Who cares? And then, um, then the kid, then Finn from the fifth film, and the Kevin from the fourth film was was just dog in my eyes so he's right at the end was what in your eyes oh shit <laughs> oh dog okay yeah, dog. okay <laughs> i wasn't gonna go there with the whole shit thing but yeah i've gone there okay <laughs> and he feels he feels he feels fine about it about i would say who was your favorite yeah, kevin <laughs> mccauley colkin is the king of course then i agree with you with uh alex with number three Then the British kid from six. I mean, and I, this is saying a lot because it wasn't my favourite. And then, God, yeah, five. No, yeah, five, and then and then four. That four, four. Oh, four. That feels so oh. bad. <laughs> oh, four. Oh, four. Oh, four. Well. We want to hear yours. What is your favourite? What is your order, listeners, from Home Alone 1 to 6? Uh, and, you know, rank your Kevins. Dom, people can find us on social media. At Ravens Podcast on Instagram. Find us on there. Ping us a message. Let us know what's going on in your lives. Tell us your favourite Kevin. We want to know all these things. We definitely do. <laughs> You can find out about all the perks, rewards, and extras, extras, that you can get on our Patreon, which is at ravenshoops.net. Why, Dom? Because basketballs go through. Hoops. But they also go through. Nets. Ravenshoops.net. Links to all of the good things below. Any final words on the Home Alone series? Do you think they should or will ever do 
a seventh? Should it be a continuation? Should it be a reboot? Should they just leave it and never touch it again? Uh, leave it and never touch it again, except for uh, I'm going to make the seventh in my flat. This is this is what's going to happen. I'll make the seventh. I can't wait. I'll I'll put something wait. I'll put something together. I don't know how long it will take me. I'll put something together and I will I'll send it over to you and see. You, see Please you put. Can you put the John Williams music into it as well? I'll do my best, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, Home Alone 7, raventhoops.net. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to watch For it, an early exclusive. It will be on Patreon when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate everyone for listening. Appreciate you, Dom, watching six Home Alone movies. Did, did you enjoy it overall? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. I the, I had the unfortunate displeasure of watching four and five in the same day and they're so bad. So like once I'd got to six, I was like, Oh, I really appreciate this now. <laughs> but yeah, I did enjoy it. And yeah, thank you for picking them. Thank you for, for choosing to do this collection of films. And yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Ah, no, yeah. Thank you. I thought it was a good one for Christmas. Uh, what, what do you think then for our next our next uh, episode or movie episode do you have something you want to cover something that we can do never <laughs> nothing nothing thing is i think of these things randomly like on the off chance i'm like yes we should do this so well as soon as i think of something i'll send it to you okay I, excellent I kind of, if he doesn't i have other th- i have things i kind of don't want to go I for anything do. like too extreme like I, like I wouldn't want to do anything like the godfather trilogy or anything like that i would like Let's keep nah. it light. Let's keep it fun. <laughs> I I told you before we started recording, but I really want to do the Free Willy trilogy. We could, what I we really do. What we could do is do all the three ninja films. That'd be a good one to do. Let's do all. Let's Ooh. watch all of them. Ooh. I know we've seen them all before, but let's really get into them and then put that together. Spicy. Let's do that. <laughs> he brought. That's why they call him the Young Prince. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, because, I mean, we spoke about... We've spoken about Free Ninjas, but we didn't really talk... We haven't talked through the movie. You know, we talked about it with Kate, so that would be cool to, to do that. I mean, how many are there? Four. Four, I think. I think there's four. There's the original, then there's Knuckle Up, Kick Back high noon at mega mountain yeah we obviously we covered that one with michael askey don't well. make me don't make don't make me rewatch that one <laughs> i can remember it dom okay <laughs> you make me watch Tableau four so <laughs> uh, it was okay that one was okay it's just it's it's a hard shift from the og you know but Definitely. yeah okay well let's do that next then and don't forget all our listeners out there please rate review subscribe we 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 love you guys thank you so much for listening and you mean the world to us so yeah well you're awesome love you lots for sure that was lovely he doesn't normally do that that was so lovely uh yeah definitely do rate review subscribe appreciate it uh ravens on free of course what else would we do how wait or should we do kevin on free oh yeah okay Count us in, my man. Kevin on three. One, two, three. Kevin! Kevin!